For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. I think we were predicting rain for sure for Sunday, uh, but not in the volumes that we got, of course. And uh, a lot of it had to do uh, with results are then in flooding. And many of the papers talk of that today. I'll come back to it in a few minutes' time, but just to acknowledge uh, the newspapers this morning. Like, for instance, the Star this morning says torrential rain led to flooding across parts of Cork City and County. A lot of the papers honed in on Cork uh, this morning across Cork City and County treacherous downpours hitting the south and west of the county. It led to an awful lot of flooding. Now, how much of that had to do with things getting blocked up and the reasons behind it, we'll find out in a moment. But huge volumes of surface water. There was lanes closed on the south link and I was coming back from the west yesterday afternoon and there was traffic chaos as a result of it. To say, everybody, all motorists were helping each other to get through it because everything was like funneled into one lane at one stage, heading west and I think that's heading east and I think the same was the the story, uh, heading West, but uh, the council and both councils were warning motorists to avoid all sorts of areas across the city, suburbs and county. More, more on that in a few minutes' time. Like the Echo lead with it today. They're now saying that flood action is desperately needed uh, on Lee's side, with even TDs calling on the government and councils to rethink extreme weather conditions and how they're managed because of the damage. I mean, it's all very well for motorists to be discommoded and roads to be closed, but when it leads to damage to homes and businesses, that's a different matter entirely. And a lot of those businesses and areas can't even get insurance anymore now because they're deemed to be in floodplains and flood risks. But as uh, Rory said this morning, the bars bait the Rockies yesterday. Um, Anne Murphy puts it very well. The examiner this morning, she says, Biblical rain failed to drown out the strains of L.A. Le Bleu across Porky Cueve as the men from St. Finbar's put their hurling demons of 29 years to rest. And there's a fabulous photograph uh, making the, the mail today of the clash of the ash between the Rockies and the Bars yesterday in the rain. It's just fabulously taken. Um, Brian Hayes and Daniel Meany going head-to-head in the in the Cork County hurling final in the park yesterday. It's a great photograph. Say about 15,000 people braved the rain yesterday. Well done to every single one of them. Apparently, it lived up to being a cracker of a match. Sadly, we hear too often then, congratulations to all in the bars and good luck with the double. Um, you know, sadly, we hear all too often of all sorts of altercations at um, sporting events. Um, and all too often, it's gar matches, I have to say. This one makes the mirror today of the Gardaí another investigation, a shock shocking claims that a nine-year-old hurler was assaulted by an adult uh, during a game in Thurles County Tipperary on Saturday. The allegation is your man grabs the young by the throat, apparently. Uh, Mum's horror as lad is grabbed by the throat is a headliner making the red tops today. And as you heard in the news there just a while ago, they're talking about jabs and vaccines being available for cancer by the end of the decade. In fact, it makes the red tops today and also the Times UK. Vaccines to fight cancer could be widely available before 2030. This is a team, a husband and wife team, actually, who were also behind one of the most successful COVID-19 jabs in the past. Uh, and this was the uh, the husband and wife who founded uh, the BioNTech um, company that went on to uh, launch a, um, you know, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine for COVID. Now, there, I, I mean, I have no medical experience in any way, shape or form, but when they talk about a vaccine for cancer, wouldn't that mean that they'd have a vaccine to cure cancer? No, it wouldn't. It would mean prevent it, wouldn't it? I don't think you'd be talking about this vaccine being a replacement for dealing with aggressive cancer or indeed, you know, replacing um, chemotherapy or things like that. Uh, the vaccine probably would prevent it. That's my understanding of vaccine. But either way, 
it's fantastic news were it to happen. God knows, it really would be incredible news right across the world. So you see headlines like jabs for cancer by the end of the decade. Uh, like that's only seven or eight years away and they say it might even be sooner than that. Meanwhile, um, from illness to injuries. Now, they have broken down in the Independent this morning all of the different councils across the country who've had payouts, compensation payouts for trips and falls. Oh, but wait, it's not all of the counties of Ireland because Cork City and County Council refused to share the data. They refused to release it through their press offices and they asked the Independent instead to look for it through a freedom of information request. It's kind of embarrassing considering that every other county in Ireland gave the information. I mean, why would you be hiding it in the first place? Just release it. But Cork City and Council didn't. Perhaps they are just mortified at how high the figures actually are. We don't know. Undoubtedly, the Independent will get the figures from the Freedom of Information request. But look at Dublin. And they're looking at councils over the past five years, right? Dublin City Council in five years, when you add up the entire Dublin area, it comes in at 66.5 million euro in trips and falls from people who said that the councils were negligent and they got hurt. There are other figures for uh, places like Tipperary, nearly 9 million. Galway, 6 million. Limerick, astonishingly, 11.5 million. And Kerry, 7 million. You would think that if you were to put a stab at it for Cork, if Limerick was coming in at 11 and a half and Dublin in total 66 and a half, surely be to God Cork would be somewhere in the region of 20 to 30 million anyway, if I was a betting man. But we'll watch that with interest to see when they release the figures and what they are. Like that comes in at 150 million for trips and fats and falls and injuries and things like footpaths and Stuff like that, or falling on the road and things. Anyway, um, ooh-ah uh, up the ra is now ooh-ah uh, up the d-ah-ah. Uh, can you follow me? Apparently, it's passengers singing the controversial pro-IRA um, Celtic or Celtic symphony, whatever you're having, at Dublin Airport. So this was videoed and shared on TikTok and Instagram. And again, we have unionist politicians in the north saying that they're deeply shocked and concerned at the behaviour of those at Dublin Airport singing the controversial uh, chant. But I think a lot of soccer grounds over the weekend were singing it. I think a lot of supporters were singing it. I don't think we were shy in that department ourselves. Um, and you know what? Let's not get. Let's not take this too seriously. It doesn't mean that people who are singing that song, whether in Dublin Airport or indeed, say for instance, at a soccer match, in any way, shape, or form, condone violence or the troubles in Ireland over the past. Uh, I was going to say fifty years, but if you want to throw in seven hundred years, just quickly. Thanks, Kev. You you shared you shared some uh, video from the weekend. Was some of it Cork video? Uh, no, actually, the, we had a very uh, small travelling tatlone on Friday. It was one of the very few yeah. that went so. Yeah. We, we didn't indulge but uh, there was a big sold out Dublin Derby where they were singing it um, I'm just looking through now where the notes that I sent in but they were singing it at a good few grounds around the country and it's it's as much really Was there no booing in response? No there was no people jeering no it, people telling to shut up But like, the thing is this, we, this would have been totally blown over like people none of this would have happened if the media, particularly the English media, hadn't picked on us. No, so no, they've no, actually the caused. Irish, the Ar- no, really. I know Sky did what they did. The yeah. Irish media. Pay, pay, I'm not revisiting the whole story. They just 
they piled in on it they did at 11 o'clock last Wednesday or Thursday yeah. morning but they did but you see the whole thing now is it's I suppose it's what do they call that the Streisand syndrome where you know if you the more you don't want to talk about something the more it inevitably is going to be talked about um, I think <laughs> that's, that's new one of me. I think that's what it's called the Streisand syndrome yeah it's like um, it's like you know if you get a bad story about you no matter what you say you're always going to add fuel to the fire so uh, the best well, thing you can do is keep your mouth yeah, yeah. quiet but they say that yeah when, yeah. You're, when you're when you're explaining you're losing yeah that's it but hey, look I think it's as much two fingers to the fact that the girls got so much criticism and everything else as it's it is support. actually it's a it's a support isn't it yeah that's what it is now it's a it's a and i think the one of the captions went with it was uh, no apologies made and they posted a video of it so that's what it was irish football fans i suppose using their own way of supporting the irish uh, the, the girls in green so i i presume we, we might be hearing it in australia and new zealand next year <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. All, right. <laughs> all right my man cheers for that text 0868 um i'll be Coming back to other issues across the uh, programme today and indeed this week, but uh, I mention it because uh, some of it has to do with uh, teachers from the 60s and, and 70s and 80s. One in particular, it was in his 70s now, who's going back to jail for sexual assault. But it's very interesting. One makes the papers of the weekend, the Star has of this morning, where legal proceedings have been initiated and initiated not against a man, but against institutions in Northern Ireland alleging that Lord Mountbatten abused a boy at a children's home way back in the day. Of course, Lord Mountbatten down was then was killed with three others on a boat by an IRA bomb in 1979. So that makes the papers today. And other stories then related to various forms of troubles on the island of Ireland of course the Kilmichael ambush nine, back in 1920 my recollection of that is Tom Barry saying that they came upon auxiliaries they told them to surrender the auxiliaries said they would surrender right and then when the uh, uh, the Irish forces under Tom Barry uh, thought that everything was safe uh, they started to approach and the auxiliaries started shooting at them again it was at that stage that Tom Barry said no pity and the uh, the auxiliaries uh, were shot and many of them killed it, they called it a false surrender by the crown forces at the time um, and the republican volunteers responded accordingly um, well the, one of the pistols that was found at the site of the 1920 Kilmichael ambush where 16 auxiliaries were killed uh, recently sold for 1400 euro uh, in a Dublin auction. And this is another example, again, of Irish historical items, I think, that are selling way too cheaply. It's just my own opinion. You would think that uh, a pistol relic from Kilmichael, somewhere in the world, uh, would have been bought for more than €1,400, Euro, but a bargain. It's a bit like your man up in uh, the west of Ireland who apparently uh, managed to buy an Omega watch I think one of the watches that James Bond used to wear down through the Bond movies. I think he paid three euro for it and found out it was worth something in the region of four and a half to five grand. But there you go, nonetheless. On a very serious note, this is um, Menopause Awareness Week and I hope to be dealing with this at some stage during the week. But there's an independent story today that says that more than a third of women in Ireland have considered quitting their jobs due to devastating menopause symptoms. 84% of women said that menopause pause has affected their performance and their ability in the workplace not to mention all other aspects of your life. If you would like to talk menopause this week and you've been through it and you have an opinion on it, then do get in touch. Text 0868104106 Email neil at redfm.ie. In a couple of lighter news stories, we've had three jackpot winners in the country in the space of 10 days. We're due one in Cork because they've had a 2 million one in Wexford a 2.5 million in Dublin and another 9 million in Meath on Wednesday. So we went from a drought 
to um, you know, an absolute cash call cow time and time and time again with three in a row. And talking about cash, Pat Short, who will be in studio with me next Monday, I think, um, is revealing in the papers this morning that for years he turned on down all sorts of financial offers to release the rights to his song, The Jumbo Breakfast Roll. All sorts of companies were looking for it. He was offered huge sums of cash from big companies. And over the years, he says, like the last 16 years, if you were to add it all up, you'd be talking about a million euro or more. He said companies wanted to use it in advertising for van companies. Builders wanted it. Building companies, garages, Motor, motorway garages uh, with delis, those that sold breakfast rolls, all wanted to use it as part of their advertising campaign. He released it and had a hit with it in 2006, of course, and he is now rolling out a jumbo breakfast roll service across the country, um, where he's collaborating with a lot of different teams, 61 of them around the country, and they will all prepare Jumbo breakfast rolls and jumbo breakfast baps, and they'll be delivered by Deliveroo. <laughs> it's a great story. We'll have more on that with them uh, next week. The people of the papers also work out as to where you can get the best pint of Guinness. Um, for some reason, their um, research is flawed because they say it's Galway. One would have thought it would have been Dublin, but they're saying that it's Galway. But we all know that the best out, whether it's Guinness or Murphy's or Bamish, is here on Lee Side. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Murphy's still a north side stout and Bamish a south side stout. It used to be years ago. Has that changed? Text 0868104106. Two very serious matters, though, from yesterday. Lots and lots of flooding. If I were to give you a list of the places that were seriously hit, you're looking at the South Link Road yesterday, uh, particularly going westbound. Never mind, but I was caught going eastbound, so it was bad both both ways. The Boring Manor Road, the North Mall, areas around Toker, the South Douglas Road, the Well Road, completely underwater. Turners Cross, completely and utterly impassable. In fact, Breda was telling me this morning the cars were stranded. Up around Grange, the junction of Douglas Street and Capwell. Bally Villan, where cars got stuck. Sunday's Well Road, impassable for a lot of yesterday. Blackpool, the watercourse road, people trapped in shops. Apple Green, up around the Harbourview Road area of Knocknaheeny. Oh, many, many keys. Proby's Key, Lancaster Key, Merchant's Key Shopping Centre. Up through the manholes a lot of the time, the rain was coming. But thank you to everybody who got in touch with me on this, including Shirley down Glanmire Way. Shirley, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And you have the beauty and laser clinic there. Were you, was the business damaged? Was the property damaged? No, we were down here last night. We were pulling up shores and we were cleaning all the, the leaves and everything, just making sure that it wasn't. But uh, unfortunately, we, well, fortunately, we're up a little bit higher than the other businesses. But Dragon Palace, the library, the bookies, the funeral home, they were absolutely destroyed last night. How much, I mean, like, how, how much visual water could you see? Well, we couldn't drive through it. As we were coming away last night, we couldn't drive through it. Uh, the bridge was blocked. It was just flowing. It was up to your knees. Um, they called the emergency live and they were waiting four hours because obviously they had other areas they were treating. But the lads, and they were just pulling and trying to clear out the water as best they could. It was, it's hard, it's, it's, Soul-destroying attack. Uh, wasn't, there, wasn't there millions spent down there, forgive me, the Glashaboy Relief Flood Scheme springs to mind? The Glashaboy Relief Or has it not happened exactly yet? Or where is it at? 
hasn't happened. It should have started earlier this year, Neil, and nothing has happened yet. I know costs have gone up, but something has to be done. I mean, the Glasherwide scheme was is to provide protection for relief for over 82 homes and 30 commercial properties. And... It, something has to be done. I know back in 2012 there was homes oh, and businesses were flooded. hammered and badly damaged. When Didn't the Glasher Boy burst its banks? It did, but there was over tens of millions of, of euros of damage that time, but down by the church, I think the drain was blocked by the church and it just flowed out into Hazelwood and it just destroyed all the area. It was... It was like back in 2012 again. It was terrifying. I'd say, I'd say all the business owners are awake all night, just sick with worry in the homes. And it's it's just not good enough. Something has to be done. It has to be started. See, Councillor Jerkahan talking about it, actually, particularly around residents of Meadowbrook, extremely concerned oh, that the housing oh. estate, doesn't that runs right along the river. Yeah. Um, they're, they're going to be washed out at some stage. Oh, it's just, it's terrifying. And you Maybe know, they were yesterday. Afraid. Oh, it's now it's after clearing now we've cork drainage out and all the teams were out trying to clear it so it's all gone down now but there's silt and dirt and everywhere okay. all over but the businesses have been destroyed again this morning it's okay. just Okay. I've talked to anybody else in Glanmire should you choose to pick up the phone. Thank you, Shirley. Back to work you go. Let's get a scene set because yesterday, of course, the emergency services would have kicked into action. I heard sirens going all last af- yesterday afternoon and all last night. I'm not just talking about our fire services, but city council workers, county council workers all would have kicked in. Even this morning they were working. And I have to say, I know the waters receded. But it had to be with the help and the intervention of our emergency services. Victor Shine is the second officer with Cork City Fire Services. Let's see what happened yesterday and how the services kicked in. Victor, good morning. Hang on a second. Let me get my lines together. There you are. Victor, what, any, any notice? I mean, were we caught on the hop with this? It was looking at the forecast that was given over the weekend. This wasn't expected or at least forecasted, was it? Good morning, Neil. Good morning. Uh, we were expecting heavy rain, but in the quantity and the time duration that came down was, I think... A little bit unexpected. Okay, it so what, 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 kicked, what kicked in then? What, I mean, obviously, did they say it was when? It, did they say it was yellow? We were on a yellow warning, yeah, and um, so we would be generally prepared for all these kind of emergencies. And you'd have your general downpours of rain, and the the natural drainage systems would take the water away. But when I was looking at it yesterday, it was like rivers coming off the hills, especially onto the Southling Road down the hill by Vermont onto the South Link Road, across the road. It was phenomenal. I haven't seen it before. So, one of these unusual events. So, heavy quantities in a very short period of time. Okay, so, you guys then scramble, do you? Uh, All hands on deck, is it? Absolutely. So, what we're doing is then we're we're, um, basically triaging the calls as you would do in a medical situation, looking at the highest priority calls and... um, uh, Going and looking at these situations from people being trapped in cars, people being trapped in houses, water and electrics and so on, and uh, your, your, your standard flooding situation. And do you have any details there of the higher, the higher priority calls that you went to and where they were? A significant number of people trapped in cars along in the, the flooded areas on the roads. People, again, attempting to drive through uh, the deeper water, to cars stalling and being trapped, ringing for assistance. Some people then deciding to stay in their vehicles, um, you know, which and the car being stalled. Again, an unsafe practice because of, again, some vehicles coming along and perhaps running into this vehicle, you know, so... 
the, the, the advice basically is don't be driving through water up an unknown depth. You know, you need to, to know what you're doing. Okay, so, so people caught in cars stranded because they attempted to drive through flooded areas. Any particular areas was Southside hit worse? Were there areas of East or West? Even the North Side got hammered. It was both north side and south side. Both both sides of the city got hammered yesterday, and um, the speed at which people were driving through these flood waters then again created its own little problem itself by uh, causing flood damage to properties, forcing water in under doorways, and so on. So we're providing flood sacks to some properties around the city, and um, dealing with uh, again um, people. Just one particular person had to be rescued from a house out in the Black Ash area, and but. Again, it was, you know, just a, a, a cooperated effort between the, um, the... Are you still there, Victor? Another one of those days, unfortunately. I don't know what I can tell you about that. I know that people were reporting that it was coming up through manholes and coming up through drains and problems on keys as well inside in the city. Saw some video footage Hello. of... Yeah, sorry, Victor, I'm just wondering, um, is, is there a reason why then huge amounts of water come up through manholes and come up through drainage systems? Uh, is that is that because they get backed up with water? Isn't there nowhere to go? There's too much of it. I think it's purely the quantity, the quantity, quantity of water uh, coming down. Even um, I know the city council approves around yesterday, clearing drains and pumping out water and so on. You know, but I think it's just the the quantity of water that came that overwhelmed the system at, at that particular stage. Uh, other areas then actually had damage. I saw some photographs of the road actually splitting around Douglas Street and Capwell. Is, 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 is that just literally the power of the water or what? Power of the water getting in under the surface of the road and forcing the, the slab of tarmac up and splitting the road, yeah. Is there anything that the city should be doing or is this just the way it's going to be when we get lots of rain? How could things be improved? Um, I suppose, basically, as the previous callers were saying, that there's future planning for the city and so on, and the development of the city, um, and forecasting ahead of time. So it's it's all a planning stage, and the, the team's coming together and just looking at the, the future forecasts that we're going to be getting. It's something we have to plan for. More accurate forecasting on, on top of, because there was a lot more water and a lot more rain and wind than had been forecasted, to be absolutely honest with you. Would, would all of the other emergency crews have kicked in as well, uh, all, all due respect to city and county council workers? I'm sure that they were on the clock as well. Absolutely. No, um, our ambulance colleagues and guard colleagues were, were extremely busy as well. I know the ambulance crews were trying to uh, navigate around the heavy traffic, bringing casualties from domestic environments up to the CUH or other hospitals and that's it's a very difficult challenge you know because the normal pathways or routes that they would use would have been uh, significantly uh, hampered or blocked by the quantities of traffic so I think maybe motorists could understand the situations as well it was a Sunday people were going out and going for entertainment going down to the shopping centres going yeah. to cinemas and they so were on. down in Parky Creeve yeah yeah they were down extremely high volumes of motor vehicles out in those conditions and it made kind of uh, things particularly more difficult, yeah. you know, both yeah. for the Gardaí, for the ambulance service, for ourselves, just uh, navigating around the uh, the traffic, getting to people that were in difficulty as yeah. well. Yeah. No, no injuries though, nobody hurt or anything? No, nobody injured. Uh, we just had one building, uh, a fire in one particular building, um, it was unoccupied during the evening as well, uh, but that was brought under control, protecting buildings either side. So 
there's no, nobody that we're aware of that has been injured as a result of the um, of the, the, the heavy downpour. Nice one. Thanks for taking the call, Victor. As always, uh, Cork City Fire Services uh, at the ready yesterday, as were the ambulance, as were the Gardaí City and County Council uh, workers. Just a point of clarification, I think in the list that I was leading out this morning, I may have misinterpreted some of the stats, and I'm happy to correct it. Southlink Road uh, doesn't run east-west. It runs from the Kinsale Road roundabout to the Elysian. My apologies. That's the Southlink Road. The South Ring Road is the one that runs east-west, and I've been reminded of the importancy, importance of accuracy. So, fair play to you on that one. Just out to the Turner's Cross area uh, from yesterday. Michael Murphy is the general manager at the Turner's Cross Tavern and joins me by phone. Michael, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? How was yesterday for you guys? I see you on the list here. Turner's Cross, totally impassable, cars stranded. Oh, yeah. It was, um, it was a new one, anyway. It was madness. Like, it, was, it was in the space of 15, 20 minutes. We went from being bone dry in here to about six inches of water, basically running through. Indoors? Our, indoors, yeah. All the way through. Oh my, what have you got in there? Wooden floors, carpets, all that? Wooden floors and tiles, yeah. We're kind of, at the moment, we're just kind of assessing the damage. There seems to be some bit of right the floor, the timber floor especially, seems to be under a bit of pressure. Oh um, man, when that starts to dry out now, it's probably going to warp, you know? Yeah, so we're kind of getting dehumidifiers in there now this morning to try okay. and yeah. see if we can take out some of the moisture anyway. Uh, a lot of matches on yesterday. Did you have customers inside? Yeah, look, we had, we had a few customers in. Like we were expecting a big crowd to be coming in just for the Liverpool game. Yeah. And that was just as the water started to come in then. So basically, we, anyone who was here was trapped in. And if we wanted to come in, couldn't come in. So they were trapped uh, in the pub? Yes, it, there was no way of getting out. Like. For how long? I'd imagine it was two hours only before we saw part of the fire brigade were out to clear the drains. Yeah. So we kind of had no choice but to continue business as was well from standing in six inches of water. You never saw anything like that before, I guess. You no, wouldn't have Because no, like, if you had, you probably would have had pumps on standby or something, wouldn't exactly, you? Exactly, yeah. Like, we, we spoke to a couple of the customers now that would have been in the air, living in the air for the last 60, 70 years. And they said it's never happened, like... Yeah, um, so. yeah. I did just, was it, did you manage to see... Was it coming up through the shores and the drains and the manhole covers and everything? Yeah, but basically the, the, all the shores outside were blocked, all the road shores. Um, so it, it, it came up so quickly. Um, it was amazing, really. It was when the fire brigade came out and they cleared the drains. That's what do you mean? Outside. Why was it blocked? Why would they be blocked? Any idea? Lee, I'd imagine leaves, leaves. debris and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of what we were hearing anyway. It all gets swept um, through the system, twigs, branches, leaves, all sorts of stuff, until it eventually yeah. clogs. Exactly, yeah. Yes. Like, I, I don't know, do not clear the drains as often as they used to anymore? I don't know. Um, it shouldn't really have happened in an area like this where nothing a dip or anything like that. Like, it, um, and would you, well, you, you, you kind of are like, you kind of are. The road climbs again on both sides of you. You'd have a small bit of, as it goes up every green road, all right. But yeah. It'd be kind of further up the road. Like, I know there was a lot of rain, but it wasn't the worst rain we've ever had either. Just up along, the, yeah, up along the road from you then. Ben from the from Factory Carpets has a photograph up. I'll talk to him in a few minutes' time at the Kinsale Road. They got hammered as well with water. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether there was much damage done to the carpets and beddings on show, but it looks like a lot of water inside in the premises. It really does. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, Would you be okay with insurance then? We're, we're just still kind of checking everything out now at the moment. We're 
is kind of the whole so far with getting the place dry as quickly as we could. Yeah. Um, so we'll just be assessing the damage and assessing where we go from there. After. I know, I know. And I hope to God that if you, even if you have, you'll continue to have insurance after this. You know, you know what insurance yeah, companies yeah. can be like. That's that's the problem too. Like I know, I know. Um, when did it, when did it issues. recede? Then did it start to drop fairly rapidly last evening? Then it, or what? Once once the brigade um, cleared the drains, it dropped quickly. It, like I'd be saying, within kind of twenty thirty minutes that kind of way. But like we were two hours underwater. Unbelievable! You open yeah. for business today? No, realistically, we'd, we'd be lucky to make Wednesday. I'd say, kind of looking at us. Like it's going to need the dehumidifier first to take the moisture out, and on top of that, then you're looking at a massive deep, deep clean, um, and then praying that the damage isn't major. Are you just looking at the floors? There's a possibility of damage to them. No, we don't know. Until, until we get it fully dried out, All right, man. Okay. it's going to be very hard to tell what I damage know. is done. I know. I let you get back to it. Good luck with the yeah, clean-up, no Paul. I hope it isn't as bad as it seems. Good luck to you. Take care for now. No Cheers. Thank you. All right. Thanks for that. That's Michael Murphy, general manager at the uh, Turner's Cross uh, Tavern. Text 0868104106. We got calls on the way. Hold on. Quick ad break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Corks Red FM. I gave out a list of different areas and roads and junctions and streets that have all now reopened again, but were hammered and badly hit uh, yesterday. It um, all passed then as soon as the emergency. So I'm getting the impression that a lot of it had to do with clearing drains and unblocking drains and, uh, you know, floodwaters then receded back in. Uh, but damage has been left for some businesses. Others were trapped in businesses, you heard there, with regards to the Turner's Cross Tavern. If I could just go out, if you don't mind, in a couple... Actually, I'll go out there in a couple of seconds to uh, Blackpool, get a look at that. But ahead of that, uh, Mark's on line one. Mark, good morning. How are you? Your your estate, where... People were trapped in your estate. Where's that? Well, I wouldn't say it was trapped. It's okay. just the, the water was uh, going up to a level where if, if someone didn't give us a hand... Where? Yeah, it came down, down Mulberry, down the end of Farnry. Okay, so down the end of the hill. Yeah, so what happened was all the water started coming down from Fairfield Avenue when all the drains were blocked and the water had nowhere to escape, so it started coming into us down below because we're the last estate down the hill. And it's powerful, that water, when it's running. Yeah, look, it was fine up to a point, but in fairness, my neighbour, she had sandbags outside the door and she started emailing all the councillors and in fairness, the only person that turned up was Ken Collins. He came on, in fairness, from hands-on, gave us a hand. We cleared all the drains, pulled them all up. You mean he physically got involved in, in, in helping to get the water to back off, is it? Yeah, he came down himself. He came down in the car. Look, I'm not a, I'm not a line tiny party or anything. I just think it's only fair to give him a bit of credit for what he did. He got the sleeves up and got stuck in clearing drains. Yeah, he got out of the car, gave us a hand, and cleared the drains with us. And then he went around, he, as far as I know, he was kind of going around to the rest of the family as well, helping out, you know. That's an amazing thing to do. Yeah, yeah. look, in fairness, look, that's where local counties are, far in fairness, but to be so so hands-on was, in fairness... There, was was other, there were yeah. other councillors yesterday, and the best yeah. they could do was share photographs and videos on social media. Do you think that they should have been rolling the sleeves I'd up? Be sure, of, that's, that's, look, I'm not saying, look, maybe other people were busy and there's other things on on the Sunday, but he came on his time off on the Sunday came down to give us a hand. Yeah. I just thought, like, it was, you know... Put it this way, he'll get a vote in the next election for me out of him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's, that, 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 that's, that's where local councillors are for, to yeah. give you a hand in local areas, yeah, you know? Yeah. Did water get into any of the homes? You say the estate well, was flooded, was, was very, it? Ne- yeah, next door was very close to being flooded. No, they had sandbags inside the door. So, um, 
it was, I wouldn't say it was close. Maybe if it was another, you see what happened, it, it, the water started to rush in very quickly when the train started to clog up all the way down the hill. So all of a sudden, within five minutes, the whole place was starting to fill up with water. Yeah. And we were lucky we all came out and we all emptied the drains, whatever. But if we left it for another five or ten minutes, then places, especially next door, could have been flooded. You know? Yeah, yeah. Emergency uh, services couldn't get to everyone at the same oh, time, no, of course. No, That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Look, in fairness, there's so much going on. There couldn't, yeah. in fairness, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all I said is I'd ring in just to say thanks again, Ken. I appreciate it. Nice one. Well said. There's a few votes in your house for sure. From there to the Watercourse Road to the Furniture Centre in Blackpool, Evelyn Barry's joining me by phone. Evelyn, good morning. See somebody. I see somebody who was in looking at beds or furniture yesterday, sharing a video. How bad was how bad was your area in Blackpool in general? Well, like around two o'clock, it started raining kind of like lightly. It wasn't too bad, we'd say. Then we were kind of keeping an eye out because you know it doesn't take much rain for it to kind of really flood. So yeah. we kind of waited then till around. I'd say it was about twenty past three. Was the first heavy, heavy shower, so we got the flood barrier up, and we thought like that would be it, but. And we saw it kind of trickling under the flood barrier, started to come under it, and it just it just kind of flooded a good bit of the shop. Not too much, but it, it still got a lot of it. So That's like a full metal we, gate that goes down the front of the yeah, premises, the is, lower yeah. part of and it. And look, we, we put it up 365 days of the year at this stage. No, you just can't, because most time it does flood. It's actually the summertime, you know, yeah. so we just said, look, we, every night we just put it up all the time. Yeah, all. yeah. Yeah. So you don't have sandbags at the ready or anything like that, no? We had actually all sandbags out the side and they were after vanishing wherever they went. Because I'm looking at else. videos that were taken yesterday afternoon by a customer of yours and it's like a river running down the Watercourse Road. Oh, that's it, what it was like. So we just, like, that was out 20 past three. So we got rid of that then. So we had to go out and, like that, take up all the shores, take up everything. But, like, you know, outside your kitchen window, you'd have a small little drain there, like, you know, to take your tap water. Yes. That's literally the size of the drain at the front, like, you know, so... It wouldn't take, you know, it doesn't take much to flood it. So we had to go out and unblock all those. And then, as I said, about, we took an hour and a half to kind of clean it up. Then we thought we were kind of on top of it. And then about 20 past five, 25 past, we actually took down the flood barrier then because we thought it was all cleared. Yeah. About 25 past five, then again, we got, that was worse, 100 times worse than the first time and flooded back in again. This is leaf time. season as well. I know this is probably more relevant to areas where there are lots and lots of trees but of course all the leaves are blown out they're caught up in it, they get into the drains yeah, and everything and then you yeah. have clogging of drains. Did any of that water get into the d- and damage stock? It wasn't too much of the stock, it's more the flooring rugs, now flooring, all that kind of stuff Look, it's about 30 feet I suppose 40 feet of flooring now let's be all replaced again. Like Isn't that much. incredible? Yeah, we eventually, about half past five, we had to call the fire brigade because it was actually coming over the top of the flood barrier. It was just getting over the top, so we couldn't So how high, how high was it at that stage? I suppose it was two feet. It oh, over two God. feet. Really? Yeah, it was just unnatural, yeah. So we called the fire brigade, and in fairness, within two or three minutes, I'd say they were there, and in fairness, they'd kind of gel sandbag things that they kind of started to put down, and they started going down clearing more drains again, but... They'd, a second fire brigade came eventually, but it was just, I never saw the likes of it the second time. But it just, you can't, as I said, you can't call it because it could be just a trickle of rain in the summer, it could be any time, and it'll just completely flood and block up. Like Okay, so whatever system there, underground, dealing with all of this, just can't cope and hasn't been able to for Oh yeah, like years. you could have a summer's day now and just have a torrential downpour and it'll just, you have to put the flood barrier up, like, you know, it's not going, it's not going there. I know it's an old city, I get that, and Blackpool is one of the older areas, but how are residents in the area? There's a lot of people living along that road. How do they oh, deal there with is, it? there is, and even Quinnan's next door, the pub, they were, like, they were flooded as well, like, you know, and 
as I said, we're all prepared for it. We all know it happens. And like you still, you couldn't be prepared for yesterday's one. Like even the second time around there, we had five. It was just between the rain, pelting, and it was just literally a river. There was actually rubbish, black bags floating down the road. Like, you know, it was... Yeah, not a car nor a pedestrian or a person to be seen. Just at one stage, two feet of it rushing down yeah, the watercourse road. You couldn't, yeah, just down, you couldn't. It's coming down kind of Sun Valley Drive, down past Neptune, and then it's coming down the corner, just literally a river, it's just coming down, just like a river. That's the only way you could describe it. Has the clean-up now but begun? Yeah, we got wet vacs now all this morning there as well, so hopefully the next hour there, everything should be sorted. Okay, are you open for business? again. Yeah, open as normal now again. All right, I'll let you get back to well, it. I just thanks. want to say thanks to everybody around the area, Ray, there, and carry out across the road. was open back all day with buckets and bucket, <laughs> mops and everything, and Quinlan's a fairness next door, and out with buckets and giving a hand, and even passerbys, everyone was asking, so anybody want any help? Or all shoulders to the wheel, so. uh, which is great yeah. to hear, great to hear. Yeah, all right. so just want to say thanks to everybody there. Well so. done, well said. Thanks, Evelyn. I'll let you get back no to problem. it. Evelyn Barry thanks, at the man. Furniture Centre in Blackpool. Text 0868104106 on this one. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. No matter what way you look at it, the front of the echo sums it up. We need flood action. Call for a new strategy in Cork City when it comes to extreme weather. I guess that's why there's all sorts of talk and two divided, I suppose, camps really uh, on the um, proposal to do something about the key walls. This has nothing to do with this, I would suggest. This is all happening underground or maybe one is connected with the other. Probably is the drain system, the drainage system, the pipes that are supposed to move the water around safely and get it out to sea. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Lots of texts and calls on this. There was a time, Neil, when you'd see council workers cleaning our shores regularly on our streets, but it's years since anyone cleaned out any of the shores, particularly where we live up on a hill. Uh, but still, our road was flooded yesterday. Other people are saying after spending millions on flood relief on the Toker Road with three years of disruption, it got flooded from Centra to Greenwood Estate. How did this happen? I would like the council to answer, says Noel. Uh, why wasn't the Cork City Council cleaning up the drains? They're all blocked with leaves constantly, particularly at this time of the year. A lot of people also questioning why this was a status yellow warning. It should have been orange, at least crazy rain all day here in West Cork as well. The whole west coast of Ireland, to be quite honest with you. There was a yellow for Cork, Kerry, Clare, Limerick, Donegal, Galway, Mayo, Sligo and Leitrim. Um, but I, I think it came very late I don't know, like, I don't think everybody anticipated, even some of the forecasting that I was doing on Friday for the weekend did say that that Sunday was going to be wet, but nothing like the amount that we actually subsequently got. And just looking at the forecast, forecast across the week, and while today is fine, a nice day, and tomorrow we'll have some showers around, Wednesday is going to be a wet day. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to have a repeat in any way, shape or form, but quite an amount of rain expected for Wednesday all day. And then... When I look at Friday, particularly Friday afternoon, a fairly substantial fall of rain, if nothing changes, is expected on Friday as well. Uh, but back to the phone lines we go. Text 0868104106. Alton, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, I'm mad keen to talk to you because you actually were in Parky Cueve yesterday. So you were navigating a lot of roads. Is it going to the match or coming from the match? Coming from the match. I, I was at the Castle Martyr in a Scarra game and I was going to stay on for the bars Rockies games but uh, the kids with me were were getting were cold and wet so uh, they were anxious to move on so uh, we decided we'd leave and in fact a lot of Inascara people uh, left as well that was the premier intermediate 
uh, hurling final, um, which which ended in a draw. All right, uh, okay. it was an exciting game, and uh, so we were coming out of. But just we just on that, I talked to Michael now about the bars Rockies match in a minute. But what were the conditions like trying to play a match like that? It, it was it, it was pretty uh, it was really really tough. And reading the accounts of the boys in the pitch, it, it, it was really kind of. Uh, the, the term used was apocalyptic but that's always exaggeration that's, that's pure exaggeration but you know when you're playing into the wind driving wind and rain it, it was very tough for both teams um, so honestly it was, a, it was you know when you see guys taking frees and the ball just kind of blowing off look it, 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 was, it was expected but know? at least uh, it was it was fair to both sides you know I yeah, mean, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely. not as you know you know what I'm saying Every, both sides yeah, were challenged absolutely. so trying to get away in a 4x4 four four was somewhat easier for you was it? Yeah, well, actually, there was a lot. I was looking around at the four, a lot of four by four fours, and I was glad I bought one. Actually, a couple of hours, well, I got one for in 2019. Um, I, you know, for I live in Castlemartyr, just outside it at the times that you'd, you'd be driving it, driving through, you know, pulled, uh, floods out here too, so in country roads. But um, honestly, like, it, it, I was actually surprised how quick it came down because we, we, we it was it was raining coming into we, we I parked in the in the showgrounds. And coming out of there was very heavily flooded within like two hours and everybody was queuing to get out. There was a lot of Inascara people left as well as Castle Martin people. Um, so it was chock-a-block and I have to commend the Gardaí. They were all out there, males, females, they were Gardaí, they were all working. Yes, um, yeah. so and yesterday afternoon as yeah, well on the yeah, South I, Ring I, I, and the Lincoln areas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, no. The, the what was surprised me was I arrived to came down I drove down Monaghan Road initially coming to the match which was around one o'clock and by what time would it be maybe half four uh, leaving it was just it was all chock a block there was no movement that like, took a long time how to deep was the water I would say a foot to two feet two uh, feet it, of water it, how would small cars yeah, navigate in, through in two places, feet of water it, it, yeah in, in places like you know you, you know the the camber of the road some parts of it would be deeper than others you know so but I, I, I thought it was quite challenging I was looking at some smaller cars and they're like oh, how are they still going but uh, we, we we thought that we could kind of exit down the you know the, the South Ring Road and be able to exit there rather than going through the city uh, you know because I'm heading east so I said look I'll go down the South Link Road and that was all chock a block and uh, you know you, you, you see all the flooding there the South and Link the Road. South Ring then did have a problem with the camber of the road it was trapping on one side and not the other that's why they had to funnel all cars into one lane that's absolutely correct yes and that's on the dual carriageway yeah. coming out of the city heading down to Kinsale Road roundabout and there was a uh, lot of debris then actually because I was on that cotton it yesterday there was a lot of yeah. uh, uh, branches of trees and you know bits of bark and leaves and everything in yeah, fact in fact at one stage I would thought I was driving through a car crash you know yeah, that's what I thought actually was. Yeah, there must be a crash ahead. I assumed when I when I saw the traffic coming, uh, you know, being pushed into one side. Uh, but like when you look at the leaves, on the, there's still a lot of leaves on the trees. So uh, you know, when you get heavy winds like that at this time of year, the shores are blocked. And I, I, and one thing I would say, it's not unprecedented. Um, you know, you, you, this has happened every autumn. Well, not every autumn. I mean, that's unfair. But many autumns that you have, uh, you know, a storm. Uh, maybe coming up to Jazz Weekend as we have now and you get these floods, flash floods 
and Cork is on a city. Sorry, it's on a, a lot of hilly area, yeah. and it's on a kind of a you know, it's it's at the level of the of the river. Uh, yeah, listen, so, left and right of it is built on hills, so I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah the river runs so, down in the so, end. Yeah, yeah. So if the t- no, I don't think the tides were high yesterday. So at the time, at, at no. that critical that critical time, so I'd imagine it would have been it would be much more serious floods if it was. Uh, you know, if nice we had, if, 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 if heavy rain and and high tides as well. Nice but um, yeah, and, as well as another thing, when we were coming out, uh, oh yeah, they were all coming um, westbound on the dual carriageway from from the tunnel side from Man Point right up to Kinsale Road roundabout. That was all just completely blocked, or you know, just cars at a standstill. And when we got out at the tunnel, arriving at Dublin Road roundabout. There were workmen there trying to clear a flood, and, and, and it was there was a big uh, pile of flooding there as well on the Kinsale Road. Fair play to oh, them for being there, the but th- there wasn't a, the yeah. tunnel didn't flood though, because that dips no. down like a bowl. Yeah, no, yeah, but it's on the other side on the Dublin Road roundabout, um, where you know you have all the road water coming down the hill from the rise in the ground going out to Dublin and uh, on that road. But there was a lot, you know, there's a lot of roadworks. And there was a big puddle. There was a big, well, more than a puddle. It was substantial yeah. flooding there okay. at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's all like there's two workmen buried in water. <laughs> they were like, you know, they they were earning their wages. Yeah, that, not an yeah. ideal Sunday afternoon. Yeah. They weren't expecting that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, no, the people were asked. No, that's said. Uh, you know, people in the car were saying, "Why aren't the emergency response teams out?" You know, why aren't they where we, we didn't see them? Well, <laughs> all, all, all around the city, where were the where were the fire brigades? You in know, that, in that their defence, they were trying to cover as much as they could all yeah. at the same time. You know, it can't have been easy. Uh, all right, yeah. Ulton, thanks for that. You got home safely. Appreciate it. I'm mad keen to talk to Michael. I hope he's in a position to chat with me just after ten because I'd love to hear a little bit more about Porky Queeve yesterday. So we'll pick it up after ten. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I'm Rory and I'm Valerie, and you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Don't forget your opportunity to scoop a big box of donuts again before quitting time today to start off the week for you with the Monday Munchies. So courtesy of ourselves an offbeat donuts who opened recently on French Church Street. We've got a box of donuts, anything between 12 and 15 donuts in the box will be delivered by Red Patrollers to you and yours. You might be at work, you might be at home, but stay listening when the phones open later on and you'll get yourself a box of donuts from ourselves an offbeat donuts on French Church Street. A great start to the week. Quite an amount of texts on this and I'll do some more of them in one or two calls before we move on, considering everything that happened on Leaside yesterday. But among other things, there was a big match on. Two big matches because we heard about the Castle Martyr in a Scarra match, uh, which was, uh, was it in a Scarra or in a Shannon? My apologies. In a Scarra, I think, wasn't it? In a Scarra, yeah. And then following that, of course, the Bars and the Rockies clash, which the Bars won. So they figure uh, the attendance figure given for the match was 15,165 and amongst that crowd and supporters uh, was Michael who's a Bars supporter himself I'm told. Michael, good morning. Good morning Neil, good morning to you. First of all, how bad was the weather? Neil, years ago in Lanzarote experienced a tropical storm, right? Yeah. And quite honestly, coming down from Bal- down into Ballon Temple, down into Parky Creeve, the waters were flowing like a waterfall. It was burning it. 
the, the lockdown in where we would always call the um, showgrounds. Yeah. It was deep in water. At the, in fairness, the entrance to Parky Creek was perfect. But it was shocking. But did people have to walk through that I did not expect then? the match to be played. Pardon? Did people have to walk through that? Oh, yeah. De- definitely did, yeah. Definitely did. That's where your waterproof gear and your waterproof shoes comes in handy, you know. But <laughs> truthfully, it was shocking. It was shocking, the, 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 the element. I honestly thought the match would not be played. So when we went, and in fairness, the, um, the intermediate match was on. When that was over, at half t- uh, the, before the senior match, you had all these youngsters which is brilliant from both Black Rock and, and the bars on the field um, at half time. And the Nascara team and Belly and Castle Marty before that, great to see all the youngsters playing around, uh, having, a, having, a, having a match between So the players. younger players but got a would, chance to knock around between the games? They did, yeah. They yeah, did, right. and, which is a great idea in fairness. It brings player people down that would not normally go down. Yeah. And it adds to the atmosphere and yeah. the young fellas the opportunity to look up. But truthfully, it was something unreal. The only way I can describe it to you is like being inside in the theatre, right? And a screen being pulled across, like inside the opera, a screen being pulled across at the start or the end of the show, whatever the case may be. That was the only way to describe the wind and the rain. And how the players, both sides, both Black Rock and the Bars, how they stood up to it. Their intensity, their skill level, I know it was a county final. The history between the two clubs, going back over 150 years, mm. in song and story, producing some of the greatest players going back over the 100 years, that's well, hurting as ever seen. Did they still manage to be skillful in spite of they the weather? They certainly did. All cripes, it was, it was unreal. Sad. You know, it was absolutely terrific. Fellas catching the ball, fellas striking the ball, fellas sidestepping, fellas taking on the defender and going through and, and, and getting scores. And uh, being a bars man, you know, we were very apprehensive at half-time because the, the score was 1-5 um, to, to Blackrock, 9 points to the bars, and they had a hell of a gale and a storm behind them. So top marks to, to our team, top marks to the bars. They held that up to two points in the second half. It was a tremendous performance. And the they back. powered on to two goals and 14 themselves? That's correct, yeah. It was absolutely wonderful. Were the two goals in the second half, were they? The two goals in the second half, yeah. Actually, that chap that was on Brian Hayes, you know, he got one goal. And Conor Cahillan got the Cahillan. other. Conor Cahillan got the other, yeah. Uh, they, were, they were terrific. You couldn't imagine. Everybody been up in the stand and, you know, huddled, hoping <laughs> to God it would stop raining, but it came down in masses. So everybody there, in spite of whether it was the stand or not, got absolutely soaked. No, no, you're from the stand. You go back in the stand because there was nobody at the front of the stand. Yeah, you went back up as far as you went. Yeah, you certainly did, Joe. But the, as I said, the skill level of the game was fascinating. The, the intensity. I know the lads trained like professionals and they're fair play to the bars now. The, the, the way they came at it in the second half. I'd say, truthfully, 1% of people would have said the bars have a chance of winning. But top marks to the players. Was, wh- marks, what odds it, were given before the match or even well, at half time? I, I, I don't know. Black Rock, I'd say, were we at hot favourites to win it. Go away. And even but at half time, people were thinking that, were they? Oh, that's right. Saying I, I certainly was saying to myself, I was hoping and praying that our lads would tick. And the performance out of the team, backs and forwards, goalkeeper included. And of course, um, Jer Cunningham and his management team they were very very good himself a great, a great hurling goalkeeper uh, back oh, in the day God, and, nice, and nice I heard as well that in fairness to Cork GAA they allowed anybody with terrace tickets into the stands didn't they Which was right, a ni- yeah. that was a nice yeah. touch they, they certainly did yeah and like they, as I said to you the, the, the rivalry between both clubs goes back 150 years and having produced some of the greatest players that, they, that the game has, has, has ever known 
And the other thing there as well, Neil, was I have to give credit to the referee. Under the under the circumstances, it was shocking for any man to try and hold his case. <laughs> and obviously, with his with his with his mentors, with his uh, linesmen and um, umpires as well. And in fairness to our great great friends, Barry Pound. The lads, I'd say, got a flippin' soaking. <laughs> they, in fairness, now they're they're, they're part and part of Cork folklore, as you know, and they're they're a wonderful bunch of people. But they came out tops, and in fairness, they were up in Green Street, down the road last night, <laughs> playing the virus home. Were they playing, playing the them home in that weather? Oh, yeah. gee, because they certainly did. Their hands must have been a massive occasion, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and wanting if I may diversing from that how do you play that, instruments to... like that I mean they're wind oh. instruments and often brass instruments in that rain <laughs> yeah they, they, were, they were terrific in fairness and they said that these guys were up in Bend Road last night um, <laughs> praying the bars up to the third cross and even if I say wanting to you I must congratulate you <laughs> I must congratulate you on a wonderful brilliant interview with Brian Warfield I heard it there last week I was down on West Cork. He's a good and guy. And I tell, I tell you the truth, you know, it was like a, it was like a, a, a lesson in Irish history. Well, he's a great guy and he's always on the end of the phone if I ever need him. I'm a great pal of his and I have great time from. He just remind me of people like that. And I mean, like, who was the big bars player? Was it Jimmy Barr? Was it Jimmy Barry Murphy, wasn't it? Of course, Jimmy Barry Murphy. Yeah. Great Jimmy so it's Barry just Murphy. that, it's yeah, just that, you know. Charlie McCarthy, Gerald McCarthy. That's and, right. The great Gerald McCarthy. You're not going to look like a writer. I was a litany of black rock players as well. Yeah, because I, I often, from time to time, I'd run into Dermot McCartan, you know. Um, yes, and indeed. I, yeah, I, saw, I saw him recently in Barry's and he came over to say hello. And I was in shock that a superstar like him would come over and say hello to the, you know, the way you'd be in awe of people from back in the day. Ah, he's a lovely fella. A song, and I remember as a young fella, very small, living in when I was out in Blackpool in Madden's buildings, my, yeah. my grandmother and grandfather's house, right across the road, which is about six feet across the terrace. Yeah. Dennis Collin lived, you know, uh, fella, yeah. and I'd often see when I was a very small boy, I'd see Dennis Collin coming out with his gear, you know, his bag. He'd be all dressed up to the nines in his gear, um, and sometimes he was in a suit. He might be going up to uh, maybe Croke Park or whatever. But I remember looking at him and thinking that he, it was like meeting the president of Ireland or like a, you know, um, like a really famous actor, you know? It was amazing. Well, he wrote a great book a couple of years ago there. Like, uh, I remember, in fact, uh, I got it and it was a wonderful read. He's a great hurling man and a terrible gentleman, the friend. Glenn Clare, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that he played with the Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might use you as a, as a GEA hurling correspondent going forward. No, you've got to meet him. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers, Michael. Thank All the best. Cheers. A lot Thank of texts on this as well before I move on. The Toka Road has just reopened two and a half years of roadworks for a flood relief scheme costing 26 million euro. And a day of rain and the whole place flooded. What a 26 million euro joke is that? The reason flooding is getting more and more common, Neil, is because our government is obsessed with optics. The government used the excuse of climate change to cover up their incompetence because they want to look good for the EU. Everything else is of no concern to them. Cruise ships for refugees, where's it all at? That that wasn't a true story, that cruise ship for refugees. That was a nonsense story that was knocking around, um, to the best of my knowledge, anyway. Unreal flooding coming down from Parky Cueve after the match yesterday. Awful conditions. Well, Michael described it very well. He was amongst the 15,000 that went. This weather was forecasted. You're just trying to knock RTE. 
No, I'm not trying to knock anyone. And if it was RTE, what would it have, what would have anything to do with it? Chill, they don't write the forecasts. A simple solution to the flooding. Cut down the trees. Leaves block drains. That's always the main issue. If the sores were cleared, we wouldn't have half the flooding. You can't blame tides for this one. It's all to do with not cleaning and clearing drains. Cork is forecasted to get plenty more rain between now and next Sunday. People, be prepared, says a texter. And just another few ahead of the break. Flooding in the city. Should the council not clear the drains during the summer months instead of waiting for the heavy rains to begin in the autumn? Typical. We put the cart before the horse. God, there can't be much going on. If that's all we can talk about, good God, it's Ireland. It rains here. Another one. There was a time when you see council workers out cleaning the streets and cleaning the shores, but it's not done anymore. And a final one for now. I feel the emergency procedures should have been implemented yesterday at four o'clock. Somebody should have been calling all radio stations telling us what was happening. That was half the problem. No information. Maybe an elected mayor to oversee it all would help, says Pat. Uh, Are you talking about a directly elected mayor? Is that what you're saying, Pat? Directly elected by the people? Because if you're talking about that, we had a chance to vote for that, voted for it, and turned it down. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Last week I had a conversation, a very harrowing conversation with Michael, who was uh, placed in foster care with his brother and three sisters in the 80s. I have more of those calls for you this week. Now, Michael was about six at the time and one of his sisters was older and another was a small baby and they they were fostered out to a family who also fostered two other kids from another family. So there were five foster children in this family, including the family's own children, uh, which made a total of 12. It was a farm. They were a farming family. Uh, So Michael was telling us the story of I'd be pulled out of bed at six in the morning to work on the farm, to milk the cows, and then went to school. They may or may not have been given a lunch. Breakfast was negligible. Um, They were fed when the family wanted them to be fed. They were treated entirely different uh, to the natural children that lived in in the home. In fact, the young adults who were living with them, uh, who lived in the home, the biological children, would also beat them up. Michael ran away a number of times. He'd go cross-country to avoid the main roads. He was always found. And he was always returned and he got on merciful beatings with leather belts and fists and what have you. Eventually, uh, they were taken from this uh, family, thankfully, uh, when he and his sisters left the, the, uh, the care of that home. Um, the only thing that the family who were fostering was wondering about at the time was, well, if they're gone, how are we going to pay our bills? Do you remember all of that yesterday? No, last week, I don't know if you heard that call. So he suffers now with post-traumatic stress disorder and flashbacks, and he has issues in his marriage. Boy, does he love his children, though, in spite of all of this. But some of the questions being asked at the time was, historically, is there any redress now uh, to children who are now adults who were treated appallingly badly? Or in the case of Michael. So I did some work looking and working on this last week when I got an opportunity. I was looking at, at the Tusla website, the Child and Family Agency, and there is a thing called retrospective abuse. And there is, for those that might like to know it, a retrospective abuse report form, um, which was uh, launched and put up online and available in 2017. So this would be for an adult, say like Michael, who is now disclosing childhood abuse. Does it cover fostering? Yes, it does. And people are being encouraged to visit the TUSLA website and to fill in the form um, and give as much information as you can in the form uh, because you are protected uh, under the Protection for Persons Reporting Child Abuse Act of 1998. So there is redress in this regard. And I even looked at the retrospective abuse form itself and it's quite detailed. 
nothing that anybody should be any anyway frightened about. And, you know, even say, for instance, if you're not used to filling in forms, it's quite helpful. A lot of it has tick boxes to it that would help as, as well. And then you respond and send that to Tusla and then Tusla kick in and they take over at that stage and begin to investigate. So for people, including Michael, who are asking, I mean, you could also go and see a solicitor, for sure you could, and they can help you to navigate through it. And a lot of the time, solicitors, if you get the right one, and there are many who will take on the case without you having to pay them anything in advance. But a good starting point, because people are asking me, is there any Tussle involvement? And there, there is. There is uh, retrospective abuse reports that can be made in the case of abuse. So happy to update on that one and more of those uh, harrowing stories across the week. Um, can I just say that I came across a harrowing court report on Friday and um, it, it's important because it involves somebody that we've dealt with and has helped us out on the air uh, on many occasions down through the years. And that is uh, Bernard O'Hare, who himself has gone through all sorts of issues with addictions and, and homelessness uh, and now helps people on Leaside regularly having overcome his own issues with heroin and what have you, and tries to help others now who are going through something similar. But I was saddened to hear that as a young boy, he went through sexual assault uh, up in County Sligo because he was born and reared in County Sligo. But it ended up in court um, recently, and a sentence was handed down uh, on Friday. Um, And uh, it was against one of his teachers, who's now retired. The teacher is a Patrick Curran uh, who's now living in Donegal, who apparently had already been in jail and prosecuted for other offences. Uh, but it was the offences against Bernard that were up in court in recent times. And in fairness, Bernard waived his anonymity and he joins me by phone. Bernard, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you so much. I know this is a difficult conversation for you, so I appreciate your bravery. I really do. Curran was previously sentenced to nine years for assaulting nine other boys in this national school we're talking about yeah. over nearly a 20-year period, right? Yeah, well, it, well, there was actually five different teachers from the one school that was um, convicted and char- charged and convicted of um, child abuse. Three Maris brothers and two lay teachers. Um, oh, my God. Who, In the one primary yeah, school? Yeah, and they said there was never a pedophile ring. Like, but, like At the time, I obviously, you know... Um, I didn't know about all that kind of stuff, do you know what I mean? But it was over the years when you sort of, when there was report after report and case after case coming out, you know. So. That's harrowing. I mean, because we, we are talking about children aged 10 or 11 and under, aren't we? Yeah, it's it was most, well. I was I was ten ten years of age myself, and for a long time, Neil, I actually thought I was the only one that it was happening to. So, you know, it wasn't until like, I, I suppose I got older that I realised just how many victims there was in the one school. That is just yeah, so alarming to hear. And yeah, you you would have been in school. What would it have been closer to the back end of the seventies, eighties, kind of thing? Uh, well, no, it would have been, um, I was 10, 11 at the time, so that was in around 92, 93. But later so again, was, so in 92, 93, you, yeah. were, you were assaulted, whereas the yeah. cases against him go back to 66 in the same school, 1966. Yeah, well, in, in him in particular, um, he said that, well, it, it came out roughly, or sorry, roughly, sorry, it came out officially in 1999 that uh, he was let go, but um, they said that they never heard of it up until then or any allegations, but there was allegations against him in the early 90s and the file was sent to the DPP, but they decided not to charge him. 
So in spite you know, of, and, and on that basis of not charging him, he was allowed to stay in his job. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of them were, to be honest, you know, so it's like, it's like they tried to say it never happened and there was a lot of people knew that was going on, like the dog in the street knew that was going on, everyone in Saigo knew what was going on, but they just never done it. Oh God it. almighty. And you're the one then that's on the receiving, you know, when you're on the receiving end of it and, you know, so waving the anonymity, waving the anonymity wasn't just about, and I hope this comes out right, wasn't, it's not just about helping other people, it's trying to save myself. Too, save you know? yourself, yeah. Now, I'm yeah. not going to go into the detail of the abuse, it's, it's as horrific as people can imagine it to be, yeah. but it must have been a difficult thing to have give, to give that as evidence, yeah? Yeah, well, I I was, like, I've never, I haven't been in court since I was 19, 20 years of age, and even just sitting there myself, and you have people looking at you, and he was trying to look at me too at the uh, at different various times on Friday, but, I'll, you know, all I ever done was kind of put the head down, because I was just ashamed of myself, you know, Um I was happy out, and when I was, well, I'm sorry, you know, I'm just a bit nervous there, sorry, you're for all me, yeah, yeah, all talking about, um, yeah, I was 10, 11 at the time, and, my mum and dad were splitting up and they, um, look, Needles is not a family in Ireland that hasn't got problems, you know, yourself. Mm. Um, and I just talk very badly, you know, because I was happy out up until what happened happened, you know. And I remember my mum got us as all she um, approached them because he was known in the school for doing gardening and library trips. We'd go to the library once during the week and then he'd walk us down then he'd walk us back. But I grew up like I was living literally directly across the road so there was never any avoiding it you know but my mum approached him to see would he have a you know just keep an eye on me keep an eye on you yeah yeah Yeah. your parents were separating and you were crying a lot in school and and he he would comfort you and you'd chat with him yeah you know and I didn't again I didn't realise at first what was going on when wasn't comforting I know we won't go into details and stuff but um, yeah he was known for doing the garden and and in the school and the library shifts as I was saying and He'd um, have us all out garden at the times there and have his car there and it's a big long kind of driveway, you know, but he'd park halfway up it and and the reason I think why everyone or sorry, most of the lads was doing the garden was because he'd always give us sweets, you know. He'd open up the boot and it's like a, it'd be like a sweet shop, you know. Oh, no, things like that. And yeah, I know. And at first That's all grooming, you see. That's all grooming. Yeah, you see I didn't even know about it till years later and he again. How would you know it? You're only a child, you think that he cares. Yeah, but see, my problem was that when I, first I didn't know, but when I did know, I let it happen. Now, I'm not, and, I, and please, if, what I'm about to say is not in any way disrespectful, because I'd never want to be, you know, um, disrespectful to people, but it's not about being gay, and, and I've, I've many friends who are gay, and you know, so on and so forth, but I, I, I just, it was that I didn't, I, I let it happen because I was in fear all the time because he was constantly threatening me and he was doing what he was doing but then on top of it then it was threatening me if I ever told anyone and to be honest like, it was things like you know that your parents want to give you away and they don't yeah. want to yeah. so was, I could go on all day you about put the it, fear you know, into but, yeah you had the fear into oh, you yeah. no idea I'm sure even the last time when it happened I remember the last time it happened and I was just so upset. I was like something snapped or whatever. But I ended up slapping him, and he beat me up then, and he put me in a he put me in a bin. And you know, I, re- I remember running. Home. Yeah, I remember. Oh, no, I know it. This is what he was saying the other day at the court that 
he should have got longer. I actually would have nearly preferred to go to trial so I could say what I'm saying to you. Yeah. you know what I mean? Just for people who don't and know, he got two years prison. He's 77 now. He got two years prison with the yeah. final year suspended. So he'll, he'll serve significantly less than the two years, maybe about seven or eight months, I suppose. No, 100%. One second, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so take a drink of water. He got, he got two years sentence. He got one suspended. But um, he was trying to say his barrister in court kept arguing about the whole not. Charles, you brought up the start of the show. Um, nine victims, so nine years, and he tried to blame me for not coming out at the time. So it should have been dealt with back then. In that case, but I was like, I was ten years of age. No, I understand. Defense will make a defense on behalf of their client. But he did previously get nine years for nine other sexual assaults from nine other boys. Yeah, well, it was 12, I think it was about 12 years, but then on appeal, he got it down to nine. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you look it up, the whole, that school, the St. John's National School there in Sligo on Temple Street, that, as I said, the, the litany of abuse that went down over there, there was this, there was one very high profile one where it turns out one of the... Did it make court? Um, oh, yes, yeah, it did. Not needed. This was National News at the time because okay. a fella ended up, um, murdering his father because he discovered that his father was uh, basically selling him to the priests in the school to be sexually abused. And what decade are we talking about there? What decade? You're talking the seventies. <laughs> I do in, in the seventies. So what they do is, and again, I know I wasn't again. I said I, I thought I was the only one at the time, but um, the, what they do is they pick out the weakest and nothing that. You know, um, people who are going through stuff at home and people whose families are poor. Or, you know what I'm trying to say? But you're sure saying that they it. would go for a soft target like you. He would be able to tell yeah. that you were upset. He would be there for you. Your parents were breaking up. You were very worried yeah. about all of that. And he was going to be somebody who would console you. But, of course, he had ulterior motives. Mm. He had ulterior motives. You didn't, you didn't, and, yeah. of course, you didn't tell anybody. No, sure, I didn't tell anyone, Neil, up until... Like I tried to hint at it over the years, but I get it. I don't know. As I said at the time, it was like I just snapped mentally. You know, the self harm and the, the drugs or to you know taking stuff and and that started you know, at eleven, didn't it? It started the self harming, yeah. the use of drugs and all sorts of yeah. you know strange behaviour began at the time of the abuse. It, it was the only way I could handle it. That's and look, me, you know, I'm not promoting drugs. Obviously, or drug use, but the last times over the years, or probably for if I use drugs, that it was to get high. You know, but a lot of it, and it's and it's not trying to make excuse for bad actions, but it was just escapism, you know. And then I suppose in in two, I came out about it in 2016 because again, my life is a mess. It was as bad. It was getting as bad as 2010 again. You know, I was just sick of like. Just always been, you know, in trouble. I was always mm. just the run to the litter, or you know, always been looked down upon. You know, mm. I didn't do myself any fa- favors with, you know, but with my behavior, so to speak. But um, yeah, I, I just decided to come out of it because I, I felt in, I really needed a change, and everything always came back to it. You know, the I know. fear. Or, I know. Or and and I'll ask you about how you feel now, as opposed to before the sentence. But there was there was talk, or somebody was, some court reporter was suggesting. People felt that he wouldn't do time because of his age. Were you surprised that he did get any time at all? He's 77. Well, I was. I, I, I tell you that from the get-go when I was going to the guards and stuff, it, all that I, and I'm not trying to give out about it, things like that now, but 
I'm trying to say as, as positive as, as, as well as I can, but all that people told me at the start, right from the guards to services, was, oh, he's in his late 70s now, so don't expect him to get jail time. And, oh, he's in, you know, he went to jail before, so don't expect him to get jail time. And I was like, this is only preliminary investigations and all this, and already you're trying to tell me that he's, you know, that... Was it the guards said that? Forward. Oh yeah, yeah. But maybe they just didn't want to get your hopes up. You see, they they don't have a role to play in sentencing, but they just they want to prepare you for the possibility. Absolutely, yeah. And I gather, oh, sorry, I gather that. Um, I get all that now, Neil, given the experiences of us, because this has gone on six and a half years. But I was, uh, I wasn't fully expecting any jail time because it's Ireland. You know, the, the the law does protect the pedophile and and you know punishes the victim because. A lot of the teachers, if you go back to it for a second, uh, the teachers in the school, there was one fella, another fella, Michael Canaan, convicted on both on two separate occasions, and on both times he got suspended sentences. And if you read, I'll send the information to Seamus, and if you read the details of what he'd done, for, and then you go on and get two... You know, suspended, suspended sentence. sentence. Well, you you got a, you got a judge that was having nothing of that. Judge Johnson wanted to deal with this as your story uh, and sentence because yeah. of what happened to you. And he said that it was appalling for a teacher to behave in this manner. It was an appalling breach of trust, which he had shattered your confidence, yeah. greatly impacted on your life. He described him as a prolific sexual abuser in a position of trust as a teacher. In fact, the judge yeah. went on to commend you for your strength that you will give other victims of sexual assault. And the judge said about you that you deserve great credit for coming forward, for putting your life back on track and moving forward. Mm. And in fairness to you, I, I don't know what eventual wake-up moment you had to quit heroin and drugs, but that must have been one of the most difficult things you've ever subsequently had to do because from 11 until at least your late 30s, you were in the grip of it. Yeah, well, I just and, and not with me, me. I've never taken heroin. I, I don't mean to correct you there. And oh, my ways. apologies. Am no, no, apologies no, 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 no. Listen, listen. I was still a drug addict, Neil. You know the, you know tablets. Um, you are right. Uh, you had told me. My part. You did tell me that. Before I'm remembering yeah, it now. No, you said okay, that it was probably lucky that you didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because I again, I only it was from eleven up till about uh, like look at the slip I had last year. I just could not handle the the pressure of you know life, what was going on, the process of having to go through the court system and trying to get answers and so on and so forth. You know, but I kind of um, yeah, when he when the judge was saying what he was saying, because he you can tell he was getting annoyed because of. The barrister kept saying about nine victims in nine years, and the judge said, "Some what? So you're trying to say all they're worth is a year each, you know?" And then he and Patrick Curran's barrister says that he, uh, his brother, passed away two weeks ago, and that he's he's to look after the firm. So could you not give him just or you know suspended sentences? So number one, he was trying to say that I. Um, should have came out about a year ago, so therefore it should have been dealt with at the time. And number two, that. Even the farm animals are, are more important than me getting justice. Oh for such my enough. God, I didn't even think of that. You're so right. But the judge then, um, I have to say, and I know, again, what I've come into what people say about judges, but this fellow did not take any medicine and he just, he was disgusted at the fact that he thought he could come to court and that he that assumed that the judge would automatically let him off for the sake of looking after farm animals. You know, so he said to me, give him a week to start out his affairs and surrender his passport. 
Um, how how did Curran, did you look at him at any stage? How did he look and behave? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. And it's not about me even, you know, it's not about pity. I'm afraid of my life of him. Still up to these days, I still have nightmares. There's times where, you know, um, I'd, I'd rather obliterate myself with drink or drugs to not, because as I said to you, one of the biggest things was not just that he knew what he was doing to me at the time and I didn't know what was going on, but that I let it happen and the fear of God was put into me and, you know, things like that. So when I seen him, my heart kind of stopped for a second or I stopped and then I kind of just, it's like I was young again, you know. So it's and, just fear, no anger? No, no. Like, fear. well, those. I had, I had, I suppose, convinced myself that it wasn't going to happen, just that and other. It was there times during the last couple of years that I felt like when I knew it was going to court either way, that what I was going to do just to make a point. But I'm glad I didn't either let myself down. Because I know. And you couldn't talk about it. He was staring at you. Yeah, that's the question I asked. Did he look at you? Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. He kept staring at me at times and I had to look down and then I was looking at the roof. I was looking to the side and, you know, you know what I mean? I was trying to do everything but look at him, to be quite honest with you. And even afterwards, I, I, I couldn't... Um, I had to go around the corner when the guard was talking to me the detective who took over the case because it was an original detective but then there's a new one yeah. and I just I had to until he was gone it was like I was hiding behind a, a wall basically for all my bravery and big mouth I, 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 I squirmed up really you know do you think that there are others on the streets of Cork right now who've gone through similar things and that's the reason why their life broke down and shattered um, nothing was ever done about it nobody was ever brought to justice mm-hmm. do you think uh, without a shadow of a doubt, and that's one of the things I've learned about in the last few years. It was the whole homeless thing that really opened my eyes to life, or really kind of brought me down experience, and, and then even you know the volunteering side of it. And look, there's many great organisations and groups out there that could probably confirm this. But I know myself funding in the hostel and chatting to lads then on the street or the girls, the amount of times they've been raped, molested, you know, and that's just on the street. But then. They've already, that's already happened to them in their early lives. Yeah, you know? it's, 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 it's when, an astonishing statistic that I think, I don't know whether Mary Crilly made the statement or was it um, Katrina Toomey made the statement that there isn't a girl on the streets of Cork, homeless on the streets of Cork, who hasn't been sexually assaulted or raped. Mm, that's a mind-blowing statement to make. No, but it's the truth. So them, them ladies themselves would know better than anyone. Yeah. You know, and even when we were out in the street one night, we were given a cup of tea or coffee. I can't remember quite what it was. Anyways, outside Century there in Oliver Plunkin Street, and it was this big fat guy across the road, you know, and he kept staring over as we were chatting. He was like, let her go, because he's only across the road, you know, he's not actually coming up. But then he did. And next thing, no matter, it didn't matter that uh, we were there with false tears chatting to this girl. And then he goes, oh, you're doing business tonight. Do you know what I'm saying? As if to say, like, you're going to be prostituting yourself tonight. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's only, like, that's bad to hear, but there's worse, a lot worse. You know, there's girls out there who've been raped multiple times and there's no one standing up for them. And there's fellas getting assaulted too. Like, there was only a case recently about a man who was sexually assaulted, you know? There's no protection out there. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, imagine how hard it is for with my life and some great my current circumstances that we keep trying. But what about people then that are out there and that have nobody? Mm. Mm. And Absolutely the, and, nobody. Yeah, and the reason that they're there, you know, the 
the path that they were on or what happened to them yeah. or what they were subject, subjected to or their family situation, like what happened mm. to them in school. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and you know, there's another thing before I go, and we always, like, oh, people blame parents and, and stuff like that as well, but my parents aren't a clue what was going on. They trusted, you know, they trusted the teacher and then look what happened. And then I'm going out then, I'm afraid of my life for the rest of my life to say that and, and then causing trouble, causing problems and you can't, Blame parents them for everything. Are your parents are your parents alive, Bernard? They passed away. My dad is still alive. He's 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 going through cancer treatment at the moment. But my mum passed away there just the start of COVID, just before COVID actually. They knew nothing about this court case pending, did they? No. Oh no, they knew about the court case yeah. pending. All right, but, but how how did they feel about the story when you told them what happened to you? Um, when I first came out, was it? Yeah. We first kind of started talking about, I suppose, um, well, my dad reminded me about um, what happened the time we finally stopped it, you know what I mean? But I didn't tell him that time what was fully going on, you know what I mean? So I think you only um, told them that Kern slapped you and you slapped him back or something. Yeah, yeah and then he left beat me up, like, yeah. 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 So, um, they yeah, must have been just, very upset when they heard the full scale of what happened. Uh, you know, my dad was very upset. Um, the last couple of days because um, when I was home look we didn't know it was going on but I think he felt guilty over everything that went on you know you could probably um, understand your life a lot more yeah well it's, as I said like even to the reporters the other day it's not about trying to make excuses for, for bad actions because a lot like times where I wasn't always taking drugs because of what happened there was times where I was just I don't know whether acting like a scumbag or acting. I know, I know that, but that's why. You know you, but it's why like, you. So. It's why you started. You know, yeah. you, you were denied an awful lot of the other opportunities that children yeah. should have been given. You know, it's and even Neil, the search for not even saying search for justice, but the search for help. Like I, I, I did sign up for specialised counselling. I was waiting over two years for two and a half years, and I, I've been in out of the house a lot over the last few years. So I don't want to get into that right now, mm. but. Um, mm. Because I'd finished up at the start of 2020, mum passed away and then when I, I stayed at home for about a week or two and then when I came home, I got a letter from this organisation and I went in and I had my interview and after about 10 minutes, I was like, this is mad. And she goes, what do you mean? And I says, well, saying about mum passing away, I was saying about, you know, obviously the cases I'm going and I said that, oh, I'm just finished up in Pierre House as well. I says, I'm starting to feel a whole lot better. And she says, what do you mean? And I was like, you know, I was in Pied House, which is up till about two or three weeks ago. So then she turned around and said, close the book, and turned around and said, sorry, you can't be here. And I was like, what do you mean you can't be here? She says, it's a crossover services, and how do we know you're not going to do that again? I was like, it's not as if I was planning she, it. She's saying that you, know? you, you can't be you can't be counselled by two different organisations. Yeah, but I was finished up there, do you know, I know what I'm saying? I know. And I didn't hear any more about it, but anyways. Do you, feel any, do you feel any relief now after Friday's verdict? I'm not quite sure, Neil, to be honest. You know, I'm glad that I don't have to be chasing people down and doing all the work, basically, myself. I'm, I'm glad that part of it is over. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't want to have to do so. Lisa, Lisa's over now, so that's, as I said, it was ongoing six and a half years, the investigation and case. And then, obviously, it's ongoing 30 years then, do you know what I mean? Mm, mm. So trying to figure out my life now or where I go, you know, will it be a try to get another job or stick with the mental health counselling for a while and then get a job or college, you know? So, we'll see. Never too, never too late to plan a new route? No. 
Absolutely not, and accept the help that's on offer there. And good man, you know, people, good man. You know, so. Good man, and uh, continue with the great work you do helping others in similar situations to what you found yourself in. And thank you for being a regular contributor to this programme as well, Barry. Appreciate you taking the no call. No problem at all. Thanks for the time, mate. Mind yourself. Bernard O'Hare. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And I'll give out some helpline numbers after the break. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Go back to that story after 11 about this uh, vaccine for cancer that could be available before the end of the decade, before 2030. It's uh, an amazing story. I think we need to know a little bit more about it. Keep your text coming. Text 0868104106. A couple of helpline numbers for you after my conversation with Bernard in case anybody has any, any triggers. If you're affected by any of the themes or issues in my chat, you can call the Samaritans on 116-123. Pieta House do incredible work. Uh, it's a free therapeutic approach to people who are in suicidal distress and those who engage in self-harm or want to talk things through. It's a free 24-hour support number at Pieta House. It is 1-800-247-247. From other issues in this morning's programme, I'd say a lot of the flooding is caused by building residue. There's an awful lot more building work going up, say, in areas like Balafihan, uh, says Kathleen. Is it finding its way into our drainage system, I wonder? There was water... After bursting through the road up in Sun Valley Drive, that's why it was so bad. It was flooding down the hill at a huge race. Yeah, rate. Yes, it, literally, the drainage system couldn't cope and it comes up through the manholes and the shores, as we used to call them. What an horrendous day. The idiots that were speeding on flooded roads should hang their heads in shame. No consideration for pedestrians who got caught up in the deluge. City Council, if they're not too busy, should schedule clearing our drains regularly. How come they didn't call it? It was a storm. We had bad thunder, bad lightning and bad flooding all over. Uh, I'm down here in Liscould, as in why didn't Met Aaron call it more accurately? Pat says it was like the forecast in 1987 with Michael Fish on the BBC saying no bad weather on the way. I think he said that there was no hurricane on the way when actually there was something very close to it. That downpour hopefully might clean the clocks on Shandon. Uh, St. Anne's, it's Mank, and they call it a tourist attraction. Maybe you got a power washing yesterday. Uh, you're on about the drains and flooding here in Mallow. The drains are full of gravel, would you believe it? All the way from Aldi up to Summer Hill and down to Bally Dahin. They put a new road surface down and after doing the drainage works during the summer, they never cleared the drains. They're full of gravel now. I uh, just think it should be noted, especially we'll be getting more rain like yesterday across the winter. Uh, listening to Neil from work, as always, can't come on air, but the weather forecast was spot on for Cork in case you didn't know. All things weather. They're forecasting a horrible 10 days ahead as well with a lot more rain to come. They were currently forecasting an accumulation of 130 millimetres of rainfall for Cork City. That's over five inches and six and a half inches down West Cork area. Uh, but um, so now surely would be the time to make sure that all the drains are up to scratch going forward for the winter, not to mention the next week. On top of that, the winds that are also forecasts that are coming will lead to dangerous road conditions for drivers over the coming week. Peter says the flooding situation will only get worse with these weather events. Concreting over people's gardens, widening roads, chopping down trees will all increase water runoff because the ground will no longer be able to absorb it. Wait till you see the damage that Bus Connect will add to these problems. 
They solve one problem and cause another. Uh, zero GA games should be played this time of the year as the pitches are unplayable. But it's the greedy GA as usual. All games should be finished by September. But no, cash is king as usual. They played yesterday and by all accounts it still was a cracking game. Your weather forecasting. Huh? What about that? Why did you not warn us on your Friday show that we were going to get all that rain on Sunday? Because I didn't see it in any of the forecast models. I'm not a meteorologist. I just go and check other services and bring it together into one forecast. None of them were talking about that kind of rain. I, was say, my, I went back and looked at my Friday forecast and I said it's going to be wet and windy on Sunday. But that's as much as I said, because that's as much as I knew. Anyway, text 0868104106. It's always important to revisit stories. And Jeremiah O'Callaghan was back in touch with us again the back end of last week. He was on in March. And I remember at the time, uh, because of the conditions he was living in, um, not 100% sure where I was. I think it was down the lower road area, I think. Um, but because of the conditions he was living in, uh, we had to sort out gas barrels to keep him warm at the back end of February and March and April of this year. Anyways, back in touch again. Jeremiah, good morning. Morning, uh, Dave. When was it? Was it March you were on? What, you were on because of mould and dampness and cold on the lower road, wasn't it? Yep. And I still have it, and no one ever called. But that's a council property. It's a Cork City Council apartment, isn't it? Yeah, I was only on to them this morning, as a matter of fact. So last year you were in touch with them with your living conditions, and for a whole year nothing... Did anyone ever call? No. Okay, and you, you're totally paid up with rent and everything? There are no outstanding issues or anything? I'm, like as a matter of fact, I'm a week ahead. And what are the conditions like? Uh, like, um, it's getting black and it's not going to heat itself or cure itself. It's going to get worse. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, heating, heating it won't do anything with regards to no. mold and dampness. That's a no, fungus, no. like. It'll, you'll probably, Please, it'll yeah. probably even help make it worse. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah. And did you get, uh, did you know, you were cold as well? Earlier in the year, wasn't that the case? Did what, what did we sort out? Forgive me for not remembering it in detail. I know you got some gas. Uh, a, a gas heater, yeah. All right. And did you get some supplies of gas as well provided? Yeah. Okay. And how long did that do you? To still do me, as a matter of fact. Well, we had a good summer, like. Okay. Okay. And are, are you paying for those barrels? Uh, well, he's supposed to drop one down shortly. That's a uh, chap that's was good enough to give it to me. Right. Do we know who, do we know, I don't have the information, do we know who gave you the gas barrels or where they came from? Uh, when, um, he's from Noctahini originally, anyway. Right. And did, has he been supplying you with gas barrels all year? No, I, I still have the same gas barrel. Oh, really? Okay, okay. The problem here is that the council have done absolutely nothing. Nothing. And do you talk to them and tell them? I, I'm on the phone to him practically every day. Like, you're, you're a pensioner, you know, they should be treating you with a little bit more courtesy and a little more quickly, I would have thought. But when I see them driving around the electric cars and the big sign on it, we care, they don't give a damn. What do they say to you when they call, when you call? Uh, they'll put it through to maintenance, that's it. And is it affecting your health? Well, I'm 71 years of age and... Uh, I ain't getting no spring chicken, all right. Yeah. yeah. How are you coping with fuel costs and stuff like that? Are you managing to stay warm? 
I can just about manage, that's it. And do you think the substantial work needs doing? Are there other apartments in the similar scenario in Blow Road? Well, I don't know about other people, like, because uh, I'm, I'm not noisy. I know, you know what I, mean? I, know uh, I know, I know. But have you the mould and dampness in all of the rooms? No, just the one room, the oh. front room. Right, and do you have to stay out of it? No. Because I have to do my cooking here, I have to watch the telly here, because uh, kitchen come, dining room, room I, know, I know. You see, the spores in the mould and the spores and the dampness and on the walls, you don't want that getting into your chest, you know? Oh, I know that. But no one's called to look in, his, in, in what, 12 months? No one's called to look. Okay, okay. They pass the door, all right, but they don't call. No, they don't call. No. And you're a tenant there, you're a landlord. Yep. All right. Do you mind if we give them a call again, ask them why they're dragging their feet on it? Oh, I don't mind at all. Uh, I prefer if you did call them, uh, actually, because uh, they seem to be taking on notice of me. All right. Know? Okay, let's see what they have to say. All right, Jeremiah, hang in there. Back after 11, text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Winner of two golds at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. The Neil Prendeville Show on text, Cork's Red FM. You can text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. Something I hadn't planned on dealing with this morning, but I just decided to rejig things a little bit is the news uh, that I was reading from the papers today. And again, um, paper never refuses ink, but the tabloids this morning are talking about it. jabs for cancer by the end of the decade. Now, that's a very broad, sweeping headline. You really have to drill into exactly what it means. The English Times this morning is talking about a vaccine for cancer by 2030, according to the pioneers behind one of the COVID vaccines, those who developed the BioNTech uh, vaccine. It's a husband and wife team. I mean, it's incredible news, but it deserves drilling into just a little bit further to find out exactly what that means. Um, Professor Seamus O'Reilly is the consultant oncologist at the CUH and joins me by phone. We've spoken to him in the past. Uh, Professor Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me on. Not at all, because it's important to clarify that. What exactly are we talking about here? Are we talking about preventing cancer, curing cancer? This is good news, right? Treating. Treating. So there's, yeah, so there's, there, there's two angles here. Um, the first is that every, we've been using vaccines to prevent cancer for some time now. The HPV vaccine that, that our, our children and young adults get, uh, and that there's a big catch-up program for that by the Department of Health, uh, that human papillomavirus vaccine prevents cancer. Um, so that's been in use. The, the, second, the second one is, um, is this, use of the vaccines that we've been using for uh, for COVID-19 as a cancer treatment. And that's what they're talking about at the moment. So that's their existing vaccine can be used as a cancer treatment? No, the, the, the technology can be used to develop vaccines against cancer. So where the, the vaccines will be used to stimulate the immune system against existing cancer uh, as part of cancer treatment. So they would... In, so the COVID vaccine, they they use the the wanted poster for the for the immune system that the that the vaccine develops is against COVID nineteen. The wanted poster for that these vaccines would be deve- developed would be against the patient's cancer. So it actually will attack 
an existing cancer in the body? Yes, it will, wow. it will prime the immune system to recognise the cancer as a foreign organism and uh, eliminate it. Okay. Breast, lung, colon, rectal, prostate, all of them. Stomach, so the, liver. The, the, the ongoing studies that are being done at the moment are in uh, pancreas cancer, colon cancer, uh, and there have been studies before in prostate cancer uh, at the, that, are, that are ongoing. There are studies at the moment looking at these vaccines in association with immuno, existing immunotherapy in patients with head and neck cancer, for instance. What? Uh, ongoing at present. Yeah. What? So they're looking at one type of cancer, but would roll it out for all types. Well, yeah. Now, some cancers may be more sensitive to these treatments than others. That has to be established, for instance, in, in immunotherapy that we use at the moment for, uh, for, say, for breast cancer treatment and for lung cancer treatment. Some cancers are more sensitive, more susceptible to these treatments than others. So there'll be a learning curve to, de- to determine, you know, which, which cancers this seems to be more effective with, with our, our more sen- that it works best yeah. Uh, yeah. as a primer for the immune system. Okay. See, I, I had thought in my ignorance or naivety that it was a vaccine to stop you getting it. But this actually is a game changer for people living with or suffering from cancer. Yes. I mean, the ambition is that if you're diagnosed with cancer, that they will take your cancer and extract uh, proteins from it that will that can be used to sense that the re- immune system will recognize as foreign and that the vaccine would be developed would be a patient specific vaccine that would be reinjected back into the patient uh, to that would be injected into the patient then to prime the immune system so that the, the, the body recognizes the cancer as a as foreign that is something that should be eliminated by the immune system and the body will then That's do that the ambition yes that's mind-blowing though Seamus isn't it I mean, it's, it is phenomenal. So I, I, and I think that we, you know, sometimes these medical discoveries come about or medical uh, discussions come about and, and people can say, God, that sounds like uh, Disneyland. Um, but there's a couple of things here. The first is that uh, the, the two professors that were on the BBC yesterday who were discussing this have a great reputation as positive disruptors. Um, they... If we look at our society, it's, we have no lockdowns compared to China now, which doesn't have mRNA technology in their vaccines that I can see. And they have persistent lockdowns, unlockdowns occurring. So these vaccines have been game changers. And we have learned a huge amount about these vaccines in the, because of the COVID pandemic. So with, when, the COVID, when the COVID pandemic was, was here, millions of people were exposed to these vaccines for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we've we've built up a knowledge base of how these vaccines are are safe, what they do to the immune system in patients, normal in regular people without cancer, but 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 uh, tens of thousands of patients with cancer as well. So th- those the knowledge that will come from the COVID pandemic will will probably accelerate the development of these as anti-cancer therapies. Will will that ultimately then mean, in reasonably short amount of time, that it will replace chemotherapy? I think it'll be. I think chemotherapy will be with us for some time. I think these drugs will be used in in addition to chemotherapy or adjuncts to chemotherapy. I would love if chemotherapy didn't exist. Um, it's very tough on for patients, but it's a very much the whole. The, the, you know the. It's very much an integral part of cancer therapy, but I mean, hopefully, maybe not in my lifetime, but in my children's lifetime, 
uh, our cancer treatments will evolve to be less toxic and uh, better tolerated. We, we, have, we have a ways to go in, in improving uh, cancer care, uh, uh, improving cancer survival, but also uh, improving the quality of survival for patients with cancer. And, and these newer treatments offer that potential. Yeah, but you see, I, and I hate bringing up the other C word, the COVID word, but the vaccines didn't prevent people getting COVID, nor did it prevent people getting quite sick from COVID. So is there a yes. case to be made that this new drug also won't eliminate cancer from the planet? So I think that these vaccines are different to the vaccines that we would normally have talked about. They're, they're, so if you think, think of the polio eradication scheme, most people were only vaccinated against, against polio once and that was the end of it. Whereas with the, with the mRNA, these mRNA vaccines, the, the, it doesn't last as the, it doesn't seem to last as long, but also we, we're dealing with variants which de- then develop, which are, which are, have different, um, uh, different proteins to the ones that they that the vaccines were initially developed against, and uh, cancer has that same degree of, of evolution. So it, it's possible that people will need to be vaccinated and then revaccinated yeah. again uh, as the cancer evolves. Yeah, but we certainly are giving people a lot of hope and optimism of things to come. So is it uh, COVID and the development of COVID vaccines, or at least specifically one of them, is part of the success behind where we find ourselves now? with this new vaccine for cancer. It's all, they're all linked. Yeah. yeah. Historically, if you look at things, innovation is accelerated by a crisis because it makes people focus. So if you think about blood transfusions and antibiotic development, all of those were accelerated by the Second World War. They all developed around the time of the Second World War, but their development and the processes to manufacture them and upgrade them accelerated dramatically with them. So lessons were learned in the pandemic, as the papers were saying, accelerating the cancer treatment because of the COVID pandemic. Correct. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely true. When you, when you have unity of purpose and, and focus, this is what, this is what happened. But it, it, it also is kind of a, a serendipity uh, uh, and, you know, uh, 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 um, where something we find something because of something else, you know, so that it's a good side to COVID. And I think that that will be, um, hopefully that, you know, good comes from difficult things. And hopefully this will be one of the positive things that we'll be able to talk about in the years ahead. And do you think they'll make the deadlines of sometime this side of 2030 for this uh, new tech? I, I think, I think these, the, the, uh, this couple have tremendous credibility in medical science in terms of what they've achieved so far. I mean, they've transformed our society um, in, 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 you know, within a year, uh, uh, within months of, of the vaccinations yeah. being rolled out. So I, I would watch this space. Fair play. Thanks for taking the call. Great news. Thank nice you. to catch up. Take care for now. Thank Professor Seamus O'Reilly, consultant oncologist with the CUH. Got to be positive news. Everything and anything regarding cancer has got to be positive news. We're just doing the stats on it this morning. Cancer is the leading cause of death worldwide. Nearly 10 million deaths alone across the planet in 2020. That's like one in six deaths. And the most common cancers in the world are breast, lung, colon, rectal and prostate. But the most common causes of cancer deaths for the last statistical year, 2020, most common causes. Um, first one was lung cancer, followed by colon and rectum then liver, then stomach, and then breast cancer around the world. So this is great news, a great step forward. Text 0868104106. Incredible news. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Red 
FM's Shocktober with Wilton Shopping Centre. Yes, indeed. Shocktober started this morning. Runs for the next fortnight as we head into Halloween, the start of the biggest and spookiest competition Cork has ever seen. To be surprised if I told you that you could share in a pot of 10,000 euro cash. And it started on breakfast this morning. The wealthy witch is out and about somewhere across the city, somewhere across the county. And the wealthy witch has a cauldron of cash, 10,000 euro worth of cash in that cauldron. And she could be anywhere and could take the form of anyone. But we're giving out the creepy clues to help you hunt down the wealthy witch. And this morning and every morning on breakfast, they announce one particular hour in the day. We call it the witching hour. They'll tell you what the witching hour will be. Make sure you're listening to Red Breakfast. If you missed it, all you have to do is listen from now on until 7 o'clock every day. Because the witching hour could be the hour when you could win part of the 10,000 euro cash in the cauldron. What happens in that witching hour? Well, we start to give you clues as to where the wealthy witch might be. You got to track the witch down to win the cash. Red FM's Shocktober with Wilton Shopping Centre. The most spectacular spot to shop this Halloween. Don't touch that dial. Red FM's Shocktober. With Wilton Shopping Centre. Ten grand out of some of that. Meanwhile, I'd also love a box of donuts. But, unfortunately, donuts make my trousers shrink. But we've got a box to give away every single Monday morning, courtesy of ourselves. And offbeat donuts on French Church Street. So we'll open the phone lines on that one this side of midday. A couple of lovely texts coming in on this already. Like, for instance, we love the donuts here in the laundry back basket on, Bar- on Barrack Street. We have the Monday blues. The donuts would be something to cheer us up. Another lovely one here. We'd love donuts here at Stryker in Tullagraina Carrick Tool for a long servant. <laughs> a servant who's celebrating his 60th birthday today. His name is Gavin Quain. Happy birthday to Gavin from all your colleagues in Stryker. So keep those texts coming. I'll pick a donut winner this side of midday and the Red Patrollers will deliver a box. There could be anything between a dozen or more uh, donuts from um, Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. So all that to come. Meanwhile, my screen's gone dead here, guys. So if you can just help me out with the old screen or only, thank you. We just spoke with Seamus O'Reilly there about cancer treatment and a new vaccine that will be an absolute game changer. It reminded me uh, of a conversation that I had that I didn't broadcast until now with Dave O'Connell. He was on some time ago because I remember the last time I was chatting with him. On the scale of 1 to 10 on pain, uh, for years now, he's been living with 10 out of 10 pain. Uh, he was getting very little or no help or support from the HSE with his chronic pain management. Now, I've spoken often about people living with chronic pain. Um, and you can be thrown as much regular painkiller as it, and it makes little difference when you're talking about, cra- that you're talking about chronic pain off the scale. Unfortunately, Paul was back in touch with us recently um, as if it wasn't bad enough dealing with what he was dealing with in spite of the fact that he is now receiving pain treatment. But he only started getting the pain treatment, which, believe it or not, he only started getting it because he presented with cancer, cancer of the eye. Um, He had extensive surgery with regards to the cancer treatment of the eye. Uh, and the removal of the eye, which has left him with a hole where his right eye socket would be. 
Um, and I caught up with him recently. In fact, we were talking about many different things, including the situation he finds himself in. But I want to share the conversation with you because it also involved talking about issues regarding, um, you know, what had been given and what wasn't given to those that needed it in the recent budget. So Dave goes from one trauma to an even bigger, bigger one. I mean, what they're giving you, what they're doing is giving you what they're going to be taking back off you anyway. Yeah, are you saying with regards to, say, the 600 off energy bills, the people who are getting another <laughs> couple of hundred off their rent, landlords will take it and then energy providers will take it? Yeah, yeah, so it won't make a difference yeah. in the long term. Yeah. What yeah. about what about the whole area of school? Because I know and I'll come back to the point about your your cancer diagnosis and the facial reconstruction in a moment. But the, the children are in primary, secondary and college, I think, aren't they? And college, yes. Yeah. So that's gotta be a huge expense when you add it all up. Um it, it's it's expensive, alright. Um uh I mean the the other fellow he's I mean, three of them, three youngest are all on the spectrum. Three of them? Yes, three of them. Um, That's tough then, that's tough, isn't it? It's been, it's been tough, but we've been, we've been lucky as well in that we've been very good to deal, very good to cope with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The worst, yeah. you know, um, and to be honest, the youngest, the daughter, is absolute nightmare. She's, she's the hardest to deal with because she tends to have emotional outbursts no reason whatsoever. I know, but it's all part of the condition, you know, isn't it? Yep, it's all part of it. Yeah. You have to learn to deal with it and cope with it. Yeah. Um, on top of everything else, then it's, it's a major struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, know. Um, I know. Anyway, I have a medical device, but I can't use it at the moment because the because of the the, the we said the condition of my head, face, yeah. whatever you put it. Um, it's a sleep apnea machine like I can't use it um, because you went through cancer and cancer surgery was it on your face uh, eye socket oh my god everything everything in my right orbit is done down to the bone crikey that's fairly yeah, he- that's fairly heavy duty surgery that's a big price to pay isn't it yeah it's it's it was a rare enough cancer which they could nail down as to particular what type um, because of its histology markings. Um, so, uh, no, I, so I wasn't suitable for chemotherapy. So they, they, they surgically removed what they needed to remove and that included the eye? Oh, the eye, the eye, yeah. The eye, the muscles, everything down to the bone inside, all the way back as far as they could. Okay, and what happens then? Do they rebuild your face then? They reconstruct it? Basically what I have is I have a large sunken hole where my right eye used to be. Right, okay. And that goes, that goes back quite a bit. It's, I mean, surgery itself is psychologically difficult yeah. and physically very difficult. I know, I know. Um, because I didn't expect the psychological part of it because basically two things to give you your identity. One is your name, one is your face. That last one. You know? Are you struggling with that? Um, I got good help um, from the local cancer support. Is that Ark House in Yall? It's not Ark. It's not Ark. Ark aren't, aren't there anymore. Ark were gone since I think it was about 2000. But do they, they, they counsel you with regards to your changed appearance? Are you conscious of it or something? Yeah. I'm very conscious. Very conscious of it. Um, I was in 
pennies one day across from CUH and I caught a group of oh, I should have wrote in nearly 19 and I was looking at something on a rack and it's from the other side of the rack I could see a phone just start to peek through sometimes they could photograph of me oh my god Dave that's shocking yeah that's uh, it, I, kids you get over because they have a natural curiosity but when it comes to children and adults I know what do the hell why the uh, hell do they reach for their phones like that yeah, I know it's it's worse thing people you know go to did you say anything you know? to them incidentally no I just walked away I know I, just, yeah. I walked out of the place just I just said to said to Rachel I said look I can't go back to the car so I can't tolerate this they're literally following me around the shop like Jesus, yeah. that's unbelievable. I mean, imagine having firstly to deal with the cancer diagnosis, then the surgery, and then all of the work that has to be done to try and give you back your identity as you knew it before. Um, how do you how do you balance that then with maybe the fact that at least you're alive? Currently, I have three life threatening conditions. So, okay. really, yep, I have a triple A. I have I've had a triple A bypass, and I have cardiovascular disease, and then. How do you th- I mean, so how do you process all of that, like having to carry all that load? I was on pain management waiting list for, I was talking to you yeah, I know. Uh, I rem- over a year ago. Yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember talking about the pain issue. That was on a scale yeah. of one to ten, you were ten. Yeah, it, it got ahead of that worse. Um, God almighty, man. Only for, only for actually having cancer, I'd still be on the waiting list. I know. <laughs> um, I had a fantastic oncologist in CUDH, Derek Power. He um, got me into Marymount for pain management. And I actually had my first pain management treatment last week. But without the cancer of the eye, none of that would have happened, you're saying? When the cancer kicked in, the services kicked in? Only because of the doc, only because of my oncologist. I know. He pushed. He pushed everybody. You know, he's absolutely amazing, like, in fairness. But, but you, can't, you, you, you can't work, right? And you've got three children all on the spectrum, two in primary, yeah. one, in, one in primary, one in secondary, one in college. Um, do you get financial support with all of that? I'm on disability. Um, I pl- um, also, with the cancer diagnosis and that, um, I have to be treated in Dublin because there is no orbital surgeon in Cork. So... I attend three hospitals in Dublin. I, I attend the Matter, Beaumont, and Saint James's. And Saint James's is where they'll be doing the reconstruction. And how do you how do you how do you pay for all of that? I can't anymore. So how do you get up and down for all those visits? Um, I, when we said the energy crisis and the we said the cost of fuel and that started going up, it was a hundred quid every time you travel up. No, you know, and I do have a free travel pass. But because of the pain, I mean, I couldn't travel by bus because I would have to stop every half hour. I know, I know. No, just, 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 just to move. Yeah. Um, and a train, a train journey wouldn't be any better for me because then you're stuck in the car stop and then you have to get a taxi and no, no. whatever. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's just logistically, it's a, it's a nightmare. It really it's is. Nightmare. And if I remember correctly, you, you, you were mad keen to get your life sorted and get back to work, weren't you? Yeah, that's not going to happen. No. Um, and is there lots no. more surgery involved in reconstructing that side of your face? Yeah, I've um, in the next couple of months, next two months, they want to install titanium screws, six titanium screws into the eye socket. Dave. So for to hold the prosthetic. Um, what, will the pros- what will the prosthetic? What will that be? The a prosthetic eye? Uh, basically, a prosthetic socket, which will include an eye. No. You've also had to um, adjust. You've also had to adjust to vision out of just one eye, haven't you? 
Yes. That's that was difficult, but it's it's manageable, but difficult. You know, okay, it's still stuff, but you know, these are things that go with it. You don't sound it's bitter difficult. though at all, you know? You're not picking up bitterness. There's no point. You know, you just I mean there's no point in being bitter about it because I mean these are things that to me it's nobody's fault. It just happened. But to me the problem is is that when I did seek help I was told basically go budget for it. Go budget for it. Yeah. What is That's that? What, what, Go is budget that? what does that mean? The uncle said, well, you're on disability and you have this much money a week, so you can budget for it. Yeah. And, um, well, basically, I could be phoned on a Monday and told that they want me up there on a Wednesday. But at least, it, it, you know, with, let's have some kind of, I suppose balance in the sense that at, at the cancer system does seem to work in Ireland doesn't it I mean in spite of a, a devastating diagnosis when anyone gets the C word I'm told the services do kick in do they? Um, they do to, um, it, I think it kind of really depends on how you or where you fall into you know um, whether or not you're terminal or whether or not you have a good chance I know I, I think I was actually extremely lucky. You weren't terminal, yeah. yeah. Uh, with the type of cancer I had, I actually fell into a breath. Eighty um, percent of patients don't survive. But how do you add it all? I mean, how how do you manage on disability with all of the travel up and down, all of the surgery you go through, um, I can't anymore. the cost of the kids' clothing and shoes, and you know, books are going to be free in primary. But you were paying for all of that, uniforms, school fees, yep. cost of college. You like you know, money doesn't grow on trees. No. No. Um, no, it doesn't. It's it's I have a two thousand dollar address in the bank and then don't my last one good. Oh my god. That's what, basically it. How are you gonna yeah. And with the and the budget then, um you're kind of aware of some of the things that have been decided upon. Does it does it help in any way? Um, if you look at it from the, uh, from the point of view that you'll have cash coming in, then yeah, maybe. But when you actually look at it, step back and look at it and see that basically what they're giving, they're going to take off. And not in, it's, it's coming in one hand and not the other. I know, yeah. You know, so it, to me, I don't see why, since DSB is 95% state-owned, which technically then comes back to the people, and they make two million profit a day. Yeah, that's 600 actually. When you break it down over a year, is is 50 euro a month off your electricity bill. So that's farcical, isn't it? It is farcical because when you consider the rate that it's gone up, yeah. I mean, we're at the moment locked in with a contract with uh, Prepa, and that's absolutely shocking. So it's over 30% a unit now. Yeah, uh, it'll be mul- people will be paying energy bills multiples of 600. They be, could be paying 3,000, yeah. 4,000. I heard Do a figure it. today closer to five or 6,000. And I know that with the with the with the surgery that I need, I know that, um, they taught me that I have to travel to Dublin one day a week for five weeks. Oh. And when all of the and, surgery yeah, is finished, will you be at peace with the with the result? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. hopefully, you know. Um, to be honest, it's the first time I saw myself in the mirror. I didn't look in the mirror again for about three months. Ah, yeah, must be. You must get it. You, you must have been a shock. Yeah, yeah. Just, you just don't see yourself anymore. And do you stay indoors because you're self-conscious of it? Uh, most of the time, yes, I'm indoors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that that would also be due to issues, spinal, spinal issues mm, yeah. as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
about, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a low-income family or on a social welfare payment already, you can apply for this. And that's what I thought I was applying for, just to be told, no, what budget? Yeah. Um, so basically, I don't see how this budget is really going to make an impact. I mean, it might look good on paper, but in reality, it's not going to make a blind bit of difference. All right. Okay. Well, listen, I'm glad I got an opportunity to catch up with you. A lot has happened, including the the cancer diagnosis and the surgery of some cross to carry with you, man. Everybody gets cross to carry, you know. Everybody know. gets one in some shape or form, so he's, you know, so. It's tough. That's, that's the way I'm looking at it, but I find it's very tough, particularly on my wife, you know. This is not the life I wanted for her, you know, but when. But I'm lucky with the family I have as well with my, with my dad. I mean, my mum passed away in, in March. Sorry to hear that. I'm a brain aneurysm. You know, so, I mean, when I thought it was, couldn't get any worse, it just kept getting worse. And you thought it couldn't get yeah. any worse with the pain. Uh, it got worse with the cancer and you never yeah. planned You never planned it to be, to be this way. But you know what? No. You know, you're still above ground and you haven't given up just yet. I won't give up. There's a thing. I will not give up. Stay in I'll touch. Yeah, stay in I'm touch though, will you? I will indeed. Okay, my man. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. Take care, man. Take care, Dave. Bye. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay. I want to stay, stay with uh, health-related matters in one way or another as we have been over the last hour or so. This is uh, um, World Menopause Week. Incidentally, I'll be dealing with that later in the week if you want to get involved in that conversation. But it's something that I've been watching and many people have now for a number of months. And that you, you, we all hear of start and funding that goes behind startups for company ideas and new initiatives. It's a new company that started here on Leaside, a new organization and a groundbreaking change and it's called Limbo. Uh, and you may have heard of Pat Phelan who rolled it out then and scaled it up and got something in the region of six million euro dollars, I should say, in funding from big backers here at home and overseas. And it's uh, using uh, wearables and apps and human coaching to help weight loss. It kind of looks at it differently to burning calories. But I know that the guy who's been working on this for many years in the background, tipping away, bringing it to fruition and then rolling it out is Corkman Tony Martin, health and wellness navigator, performance and weight loss coach. And then he ultimately then teamed up. You tell the story better than me. He joins the studio, teamed up with Pat Phelan. Tony, you, you were working on this for quite considerable time, right? Uh, yeah, working on it for a long time, like trying to get over and, and find and tease out the big conundrum with regards energy, what it was, how to talk about it, how to view it in a different way. Um, and I, I put a lot of bits and pieces together. I came up with CGMing and, and the, the, hard, the basic hardware for this whole process. And um, Pat, who was always in and about and tipping and training, suddenly one day he said, you know, what's this? I said, look, I want you to do this, hook up, I'll monitor you, I'll, I'll watch your diet, I'll see how everything is going. And he said, this is very interesting. Within a week, he had developed a very rudimentary version of the app as we see it. And I was saying to myself, good Lord, how did this guy do this? Like, I'm, I'm on this years and within two weeks, he's got me working, tracking, seeing him 24-7, and it just took off. From and there. this is the use of wearables, but it, it, it dispels the myth you're saying that we should be counting calories. Um, at the end That's of the a, day... You uh, described it as a busted flush, constantly dieting and counting calories. And, uh, like, it doesn't work by virtue of the fact that there is so much overweightedness going on. Yeah. 
all the systems that are out there, like they're, they're doomed to failure because nobody looks at what really matters and that's the effect of the food that we're eating on our systems. Now we talk about this and, and the general kind of phraseology that goes with it is that, that's your, that can't be bad for you. Oh, I only had a sandwich. Sure, that's, what's wrong with that? Nobody's saying there's anything wrong with anything, but until you see the impact of the food you're eating on your energy system, which is your blood glucose, you can't determine anything. I mean, there's a very, very small amount of tightly controlled blood glucose in our systems. There's about a level teaspoon, that's four grams of sugar in our blood at any one time. And that four grams, as it goes up and down, it, it determines everything that goes on in our metabolism. Our body works to keep it level. So when it goes up, when we eat a lot of sugar. So what are we, how are we getting it wrong if 61% of adults are overweight or obese and 34% of five to nine year olds in Ireland, 34% of five to nine year olds are obese and that numbers continue to rise? I, I think it's, it's, it's the realization now and we're seeing a little bit more of the impact on the type of food that we're eating. Like processed food, the calories in processed food, they're, they're trying to take a linear equation with our metabolism and it doesn't work. They're trying to take a calorie in, calorie out equation. And so it's not, it are you work. saying it's not about burning calories? Is this about being able to, because how does it work? You, you, you wear the technology where you have, um, a, a, for want of a better term, it's not an implant, but it's into the skin monitoring your yeah, blood. Yeah, we've got our own. Then you have an app. CGM system. So, so what, the, what the app does, it, it picks up lots of body metrics. So it picks up predominantly your blood sugar level we pick up your heart rate, we pick up your oxygen saturation, we pick up your skin temperature, your core temperature, the ambient temperature of where you are so we can tell whether you're inside or outside. Um, we can measure from the metrics that we've derived your your bedtime, your optimum bedtime, uh, when you get up in the morning, the effect of absolutely everything you do, we can see. And there is a blue zone that one must stay in, and this is the app on the phone. And if you're within the blue zone all yeah. day, because I have trialed this in the past, you can pretty much, you can't eat anything you want, but you don't have to be, well, explain to me, are well, there restrictions? The, 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 the only thing you, you, you can see is, let's say people talk about different types of diets and keto diets and this, and to lose weight, you've got to be keto and you, you know, it's effectively keto diet. We're not promoting any diet as such. What we're, we are doing is we're allowing you to see the impact of food. If you want to lose weight, then the reason why we've determined a zone what we call limbo, is that when you are in between the, the parameters of this zone, then your body is burning fat. That's a fat So when you're zone. in that blue zone, yeah. that's where you're doing good stuff. That's good, where good you're... Stuff, good stuff. Is this a weight loss program then? It, it, it's an optimization program. If you need to lose weight, then you will lose weight. And the big interest from everybody is to lose weight. Okay, but okay. how do you monitor what people are eating though? Um, there's about seven or eight different icons on the app. So if you get up in the morning, you press getting up. If you eat, you press eat, take a picture, post the picture. If you drink, you put down what you're drinking, post the picture. If you're exercising, the type of exercise Have you someone reacting then to the, all of these we, messages? We, we, we've got, we've pulled about 300,000 messages so far. 300,000. And we've metricized each one of those messages to to how your body reacts at a point in time with regard to your heart rate, your blood glucose level and all the other parameters that I've spoken about. We've pulled 250,000 pieces of information on every user a day for the last 12 months 
on this. So we've in, got all over the world. Yeah, all over in, the world. In trials. In in trials. We've been trialing it. We have an enormous amount of data. And what we've done with that now is that we've refined it so that the app can see what's going on at a certain point in time and it knows what what you what you're doing and does it then tell you? Does somebody respond to you saying you you're doing well? Yeah, pop yourself on. Yeah, it, like if there's too many carbohydrates going in, for instance, you've eaten too many carbs. If you're eating food at the, the wrong time of day, we'll tell you what you need to do to optimize getting to your goal okay. as quickly as I, possible. I want somebody, perhaps a couple of people, to trial this for us for a, for a three-month period, if you don't mind. I'll encourage people to get in touch at midday. I think Pat's in New York. In New York. He's always somewhere on an airplane. He joins me over phone. Pat, feeling good morning. Hey, good morning. Slight delay on this. Good hey, Tony. We'll morning, Pat. We'll work through it. So how is, how is this going internationally? I mean, you put together something like six million. It all started in Cork. Um, what's the reaction worldwide to it? I think you've got the likes of Shaq O'Neill and others involved, haven't you? Yeah, uh, Shaq, um, Hoxton Ventures, who were, you know, they probably delivered someone's food last night. They were the guys behind Deliveroo. Um, they're the hottest VC in Europe, largest amount of exits through IPO. You know, cause these are kind of people in my network. So what happened was, in reality, during lockdown, as Tony said, I put together a technology platform for this. Um, I've worked with a number of the people that now work with us over the last few years. So they all came on board. But I think for me, I think for me, it's really different in that, you know, I've been training now quite a while and I'm clearly facing train most days. But like what I find is it's the clarity. It finds things in food that I can't see. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Mm. It, before, before when I was traveling, I'm, I'm in Miami this morning. So when I was traveling normally, my go-to thing was, hey, I'm getting on a flight. I'm going to get a bottle of water or two bottles of water and two protein bars. And I was thinking, well, you know, the protein bars of the fitness industry. This is a really good thing, etc. The, the, the minute I put limbo on, I discovered that the protein bars are the same amount of sugar as a Kit Kat. What would happen? Would the, so would would, it, would your would you go off the charts on the app for the protein bar? Yeah, absolutely, instantly. Like with, with, within ninety seconds, I could see that. Hey, actually, this is stupid food to be eating at this time. And now, what I do is I'd get a you know, either two boiled eggs or a packet of ham or a salad or something intelligent. And what I find is that, like, I've unlimited energy. I started this morning at half past four. You know, it, it, it gives me this clarity in my head that allows me to kind of operate at optimal levels all the time. You and see- all i got to do, and it's very simple because I, I can't manage things, you know. I can't decide oh, you know what, now I need a two and then I need a five and then I need a seven. I don't get that opportunity with my lifestyle. And all I, and are, are, you know, I'm going to organize all this food and I'm going to make it all on a Saturday and it can do me for the week. But I know the things now because of limbo that work for me. But we know and what know we shouldn't be eating, right? Really we know we shouldn't them. be eating lots of carbs. We know we shouldn't be, jump in if you want to, we know we shouldn't be eating lots of food that has sugar in it or a lot of the drinks that we think are, are, are diet friendly or sugar free. It's the, all bull. The, the accountability here is huge and has a massive impact on your decision making. 
when you see the effect of something that you know you shouldn't be eating, when you see psychologically, it, psychologically, it alerts you. Well, well, that accountability is is, is enormous. Yeah. Just just imagine having a coach around you twenty four seven that's looking over your shoulder with every single choice that you're making. Now, that's the curiosity, exactly. that, and that's it exactly. That's what I have. I have a coach on my arm that keeps me in a straight line. So I got. I woke this morning. Um, logged that I got up, had a shower, uh, got a mess, got a push message from Limbo that said, "Hey, knows it's a good time for a coffee." That level of granularity and help—it just means that you know, I'm I'm not dieting. I'm actually getting things that get me to my the best days of past. But you must be and dieting because surely it has ruled out certain foods that are bad for you. You can't literally. Just eat whatever you want at specific well, the, time. There, there, there no, lies the crux. Exactly, and and that's it. What it's done is it's told me things that don't suit me, and there are things that do suit me. I really like peanuts. Peanuts are perfect for me. They have no effect upon my limbo, and so what it's done is it's found new things that actually do suit me, and it said these things actually don't suit you, and because of this. You know, if you eat this, that's your choice. It's up to me. But like what will happen is I can actually know if I eat the wrong thing or something that's not good for me, I can actually see that for, I can see it immediately in limbo. But what I can see is I can actually correlate that, hey, you're tired today. I wonder why that is. In reality, you blew that off the chart over here with that thing. So so what we're looking at is a a new way of viewing what we eat and what we weigh and how we feel and how sick we are because of the food we eat rather than looking at the calorie count on a box or a packet, is it? The, ca- the calorie count doesn't work, Neil. It, it hasn't worked. It, it's, it's, it's a busted flush. Food impacts on us. I can say that now, but what does that mean to anybody? It doesn't mean anything because you can't see it. When you can measure impact in terms of seeing how your body reacts then you can make far better informed decisions because you know what's going on. Nobody wants to drive themselves to these extremes where the body's under severe stress. We know the long-term implications of exposure to highly processed foods. Like the world is becoming diabetic. The, the, the amount of people turning up with type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes, I mean, it's enormous. I yeah. mean, the, the, the fraction of the people that I deal with on a day-to-day basis that come in triggering you know all all of these bad health states it, it's it's huge and again not just that but inflammation of the body in general I mean, joint metabolic pain syndrome everything Pat talks about them. his mental clarity all of these are affected just saying by the food that we eat i mean i i can't I, from the outside looking in i i don't know how pat does it i don't know how he has the energy I mean, I was we were going to I was going to London last week to turn up on the flight, and and Pat's on the flight in the morning next week going somewhere else, and I'm saying to myself, oh, I thought you were home there. I was seeing you. Oh, I got called over here. Next day, I call him. He's in Miami. The next day, I call him. He's in New York. And all the while, if you look at what he does, he's he's up every single morning. He's he's doing cardio. I don't know how he's doing it. He's like it's in, it's incredible what it gives you when you're plugged in. How's the market reacting to this pack? Because it's not cheap. I know it started in Cork, and we're very very proud of the fact that it did. But it's eighteen hundred a month. That's a big slug chunk of change. It, 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 I'll give you an example, and, and and this is the easiest way to look at. It. I spent years trying to understand diet, 
I spent years trying to say, oh, well, you know, an occasional chips, an occasional fish and chips, an occasional supper will be fine. And then I spent years trying to go to CrossFit, to things like that, to try and understand myself. Like, I, I remember going to Weight Watchers in Cork and, you know, standing up on the scales and being told, oh, you're up one and a half pounds and I wonder why that is. And yeah. I go, yeah. I don't know, I just must have a strange body. And I think, I think it's 1800 for three months, for the first three months. After that, it reduces dramatically. Yeah. But I think we, we have something here that makes you into an optimal machine for you. It's like having, you know, if you, if, if you owned a BMW tomorrow, you wouldn't put, you know, Walmart oil into the car. And that's what we have. America's blowing up. I mean, like Sha- Shaq O'Neill, you know, invested personally, is, is one of our ambassadors. There's going to be loads more international music stars are lined up. I think what you have is you have a trillion dollar wellness industry that's coming to affect a trillion dollar obesity healthcare problem that's going to be reflected over the next 20 years. And I think if something doesn't fix this, we talk about the pension problem, it's the health problem. Yeah, I know. It's got, it's, it is getting worse and worse. And it's the old adage that dieting makes you fat, you know? Yeah, again, we, we just it, want... Sorry, Tony, go ahead. We, we just want to dispel that whole notion because th- th- that's a, a very slave mentality type of a thing where, where you feel... Well, you see the diet sections, the diet yeah, book yeah, sections yeah, in, no, in, no, a, no, in a bookshop. No, we, we just want people to say, we just want people to know that there's a way for them to find out the optimized intake of food and type of food for them. And that it may be optimum today, but it may not be optimum next week. And you've got the ability and you need to have that ability to see that. You don't have to be imprisoned with certain types of food. You don't have to be imprisoned by certain amounts of macronutrients. It changes every day. And you can see that change every day. So where you'll have to scale this right up then, won't you, Pat? I mean, uh, that'll mean an awful lot more people will have to be hired to deal with the amount of people who want to take on the wearables, right? Are you, are you geared up for all of that? Yeah, we're surrounded by the best of people. Liam Casey and PCH are behind us for all our shipping, all our global dispatch of these products. I think we'll end up somewhere between five and 700 people over the next three to four years. But I think need one thing, one thing just to point out. With limbo, I've never been given a diet. I've never been given a training routine. All I've been asked is to stay in this band, nothing else. And when I, when I slip out the band and nobody's perfect, including me, I get a message that says, what just happened? And that's 24-7 everywhere yeah, in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that zone that I refer to that I see in the wearable and the app and the AI and the coaching aspect. I know I know. I spoke with uh, Tony about this, that we'd encourage people to get in touch because tell me what you'd like to do. You'd like to take two listeners. Who, yeah, who, yeah, uh, like what, what, do they need to be overweight? 
No, no, but I mean, the, the, it, it helps people in the overweight state a, a lot more. But because we've we've birthed this, and we, this is this is a current product. Like myself and Pat are very conscious about you know wanting to encourage and and include people. We are jammed at the moment with with, with requests. So again, because of our long history, Neil, and because you're very au fait with the pro, with the, the with the whole process and the product, um, we want to give two listeners here. And what we want to do with those two people is to catalogue how they got on with it um, do so we're typically looking at inclusive. a three month period it's a three that's month period that's where you should we, be seeing a significant we, difference like anybody who subscribes to this and just follows the nudges will will get into the shape of their life and they will change outlook they will change relationships with food and, and they'll be encouraged to do so by finding the journey themselves. Okay. We encourage them to find their own journey. Okay, okay. So I want people to email their stories, not phone or text or anything. I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Email neil at redfm.ie. I will pass those on to you with all of the GDPR cro- protocol being followed and you can make the call then and we'll see how it goes for three months. Looking um, forward to that. Uh, if anybody is listening that wants to get in touch, Pat, I mean, is, have you rolled this out now, Limbo? Is it open for business? It, it, it's totally live for business. Obviously, there's an extraordinary wait list. But if someone, you know, if, if, if someone really wants to change their life, you know, you can find me online, push, send me a message, send, you know, tell me why this would really make a change in your life. And, you know, we can do our best to get you up to queue. Okay. And did I incorrectly say that it was, and I hate talking numbers here and money, but it's, it's 1800 for three month tri- period. Yeah, that's the initial yeah, three months. Yeah, 1800 for the first three months. My apologies. I think I said per month. My apologies. And after that, if people stick with it, it will start to drop down. Listen, I'll let you get back with uh, whatever it is you're doing in Miami. Undoubtedly involves, uh, it, it probably involves Sisu and cheap electricity and fuel costs in Florida or something like that, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'll be, fly, I'll, be, I'll be flying back to uh, New York in a couple of hours. So it's New York this week. We're opening Sisu in New York. Did I see on? Line that you were putting up a bill of one hundred and thirty-five dollars for an entire month's utilities, was it? <laughs> you did one thirty-five for a, a month running the clinic with air conditioning as well. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Where did we get it so wrong? Okay, listen. Nice to catch up. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Pat Thanks, feeling Tony. by phone and Tony Martin in studio. You can do all the research you want yourself online with regards to limbo. But if you'd like to be part, thanks, Tony. Thanks for coming in, pal. Good to see you. Take Great care. Stuff. If you want to be part of um, the journey and would like to. Uh, maybe get kitted up. This would be all of the wearables. You'd be, you know, hooked up with the with the entire system. You get the app and everything and all that comes with it. Email only, please. Neil at redfm.ie. Um, this is very, very finally just... I shouldn't be even talking about donuts considering what I've just spoken about. Finn! Good morning. I went for a run there while I was listening to because it could be a box of donuts in the future. <laughs> Brilliant idea, though. He's, st- he's still in the studio, so say nothing about 12 donuts. I got about 15 no. seconds. Who am I sending them to? Um, her name is Sophie Walsh. Uh, she's the most amazing little 10-year-old. Um, she entered her first dance competition on Saturday in Trebulgan. Um, it was a freestyle-type dance that if you, I, Tony, or Pat tried it, we'd end up in casualty. <laughs> and she only went off and won the All-Ireland uh, title uh, for her. It's brilliant. And her proud dad is famous Joe Walsh from Blarney Street that you still owe pizza to. So, you know, uh, I don't think you should what? go up and deliver the donuts. What? Yeah, her, that's somebody... her the father, Super Joe's Sophie's dad, yeah. <laughs> Somebody pizza. <laughs>
Yeah, and you still owe him a pizza. He's, he doesn't need this diet now because he's waiting to get fed a pizza. He's lost a load of weight in the last year, so he's grand. <laughs> well, I'll deal with the pizza in another day. Let me sort out the donut. Sophie is not yeah, to she, eat up. she'd be tough. She'd she's be only tough, to have one donut. She's to share the others. She, right? she, the kind of girl, she, her grandparents are going to be there, her right. proudest punch and her mom and right. her baby sister Megan. So she'll, she'll well, then I'm the off the hook for the pizza if I'm sending 15 donuts. Well, Surely that's the there. issue you have with Joe, not, not, not Sophie. Right, so you can sort that out yourself. Right, have a good day. Take care. Back <laughs> in the morning. Text Eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 If you want to be part of our, the limbo uh, journey, email Neil at redfm.ie. Way over time. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.